we did check Mao, by the way. Yeah. Upper middle class. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Yeah. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Radio Free Ortona. Today we're talking class warfare, I think, again. Again? But uh, Yeah, class warfare and internet phenomenon. Internet phenomenon. Yeah, so the... Uh, there's a couple of things that prompted this. There was an, uh, an email Patty sent out to us with a couple of Substack articles, and then kind of the uh, how the uh, Oliver Anthony song "Richmond North of Richmond" kind of exploded and, and has become the latest round in the culture war and yeah, class kind of war. That, yeah, touch, touch, touch point, touchstone, touch, touch something, something like that. Lightning rod. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was just. Um, I was just saying, I did like how his uh, uh, talking about these uh, the Substack article he sent on uh, what is the oh the upheaval sub on Substack uh, by a guy named NS Lyons, and he was talking about the trucker, which protest. I believe I have heard is a pseudonym. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Um, given even the name is is uh, is likely uh, uh, you know like the upheaval mm-hmm. you know, like. The mass disruption, but anyway, the uh, was the virtuals versus the what did he call yeah, it? Yeah, his concept. The practical, or the physicals, or the physical. Yeah. There we are. The virtual people versus the physical. Yeah, physicals and the virtuals. Yes, yeah. he, he saw the world as uh, yeah. For those who haven't read it, it's the the which is probably everybody. Yeah. The, <laughs> I, I will I will share the the links in in the yeah. Show speaking about the a retrospect of the freedom convoy, the trucker protest in Ottawa. That he saw it not so much as a traditional class conflict, although many people have portrayed it that way. He saw it as two new classes, the virtuals and the physicals. Yeah. Interesting so concept. I don't have context for it yet, but I, I can, my brain's already processing that in its own way. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, you don't have to agree with it. And I think there's definitely a... a flaws to it but it is interesting you know well, I, I, yeah. I think interesting is the wording yeah. off the top of my head i'm thinking okay yeah. virtuals versus physicals virtual for me is like just all the people it, as we've discussed you know if if i were to run any sort of website for public consumption i would mm-hmm. not have comment a comment section on it because i got no time for that bullshit most most of the people either, whoever's going to reach out is either going to agree which mm-hmm. you know i i don't yeah. need I don't need someone to agree with me for the sake of agreeing with me. Or it's going to be someone who's got some nasty opinion of what I've got to say, and they're just going to troll yeah, it. And yeah. I've got no time for that yeah. either, right? So that, like, that, that to me is the virtual world we live in. It's days. a concept, though, that has been voiced by other people. For example, uh, what's his name? A very forgettable yeah, premier that of Alberta. Uh, the previous one. Not the current one. The previous one. Uh, Jason Kenney? Jason Kenney. He spoke of, say, the laptop class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think he was, he was trying to express the same concept, that our, our economy is kind of creating two different, or has created a new group, and that's people who, and again, this transcends class. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who work with information, who work with computers in an office or a cubicle, cubicle somewhere. Now, this can be... Anyone at the top end, and this is again where our traditional concepts of class fall short, because this new group encompasses the the CPA, mm. who's making two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, but it also encompasses the accounts receivable clerk, who's making forty five thousand dollars a year. 
But these two groups share kind of a working environment and in many ways share a world view or maybe not a world view, but share a world environment. Well, when it comes to traditional class, I mean, I I would argue that those both fall under white collar, right? You're not going to yeah, find a lot right. of your blue collar as part of the right. quote unquote laptop right. class. But white yeah. collar has traditionally meant upper middle income, or at the very least, you know what I mean? Like north of sixty-five, seventy-five thousand dollars in I've never, name, tr- no, no, I've never seen it. I've that's never not seen, the case. Though. I've never seen it as income defined. I've seen it more as more as how you, uh, where you worked. Yeah, right? where like, you worked yeah. in an office. And, and what you did. But income office. was implied. Income was not, not always because like, I think to I think to a certain extent you're right, yeah. um, but and there's also a, a, an intellectual classism that goes mm-hmm. with that as well. But, there's some sort of some level of education or or class class. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like um, well, because I mean there's like there's I've always read like um, what was it uh, like in people talk about like there's white collar jobs that mm-hmm. don't pay like. Lots of data processing jobs yeah. and stuff like that. That you know, you're sitting in a cubicle. You know, if you're you're in the cubicle farm or whatever, you're what it's a white collar job, but it's mm-hmm. not necessarily upper class. Like it, the prototypical, uh, or or the meme of it would be uh, uh, Keanu Reeves' character from The Matrix, like his job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It was a white collar job, but it wasn't a well paying one. Right. Like. I suppose you're right. I right. Mean, and like so his job in The Matrix is yeah. To, yeah. He Times- was a low level functionary. Yeah. You know that 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 meaningless cog in a giant machine kind of thing. That, yeah, and and like, but other, still white collar. Yes, still white collar, and right. this is this is where it kind of transcends class. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think you're right in that <clears throat> in the information age, that whole concept mm-hmm. uh, of working class has yeah has blurred because yeah, you can you know call centers. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's or kind. Of, that's a, that's the, a white collar thing. Right? Ca- it's white uh, collar, but it's it's low paid. Right? The characters so, from the film Office Space. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's probably better. Right. But they have definitely carved out a new economic niche compared to our traditional blue collar, where it's people who do not work with information so much as they work with their hands. Yes. yes. Technical. Yep. Mm-hmm. And in the new age, this the information workers do not find themselves penalized in the global economy to the same extent that, and not just the global economy, our structural system, the entire economy we've created from within in the same way that blue collar workers have. We've steadily made, through our own efforts, we have priced blue collar workers out of existence in many areas. I find We have made the cost of labor so incredibly high that we've caused outsourcing. Or offshoring in oh, many ways. Okay, so interesting because I, I was about to... Tying what mm-hmm. you just said with some conversations we've had in the past, and what came of that came out of that song where he's talking about working mm-hmm. for bullshit pay, right? Yeah. Um, because I find what we butt heads over mm-hmm. a lot is the concept of what owners, managers, uh, shareholders are mm-hmm. willing to pay people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know in terms of a quote-unquote living wage, um, which is a lot different than it was, say, I think it, it's definitely gone downhill in the last, I'm going to say, 20 years. You know, people have started looking at the, at the numbers, how mm-hmm. 
Yeah, w- w- wages haven't, on an average, kept up with inflation. No, they have not. But, they have not. But I was thinking about this. What, what was the genesis of it? I was speaking with an electrician, a master electrician. And he, uh, you know, started off as kind of like the usual, let's bash everyone 20 years younger than us. And what he was criticizing was the new way that electrical, electrician apprentices are trained. Mm-hmm. And he said, they're not taught how to problem solve anymore. They're not taught how to identify the error in, say, a circuit or a system and repair it. Instead, it's remove this component, replace it with another component Mm -hmm. without any knowledge or understanding of how that component works or the ability to repair a given component. that we don't do repair anymore. We do parts replacement. We do parts replacement. Or, or some and, sub-assembly replacement. Right, and he yeah. was lamenting that. Yeah, and like, so, But automotive has been that way for a long time as well. It is right? definitely, yeah, definitely. Right. If you oh, talk to any mechanic, they'll definitely tell you they are on that same path as yeah. well. Well, they, and <clears throat> I mean, we've been going that way for a long for a long time. And I'd say both of those are great examples. The automotive is probably the better one. Mm-hmm. Whereas your average citizen could actually do some things for themselves when yes. it came to both electronics right. and car yeah. mechanics, right? Um, nowadays, if you try doing anything inside your vehicle, you're risking voiding the warranty. Right. Um, same thing, because it's that much more complex. It's much more complex, much more technical, right? yes. Um, but it got me thinking, okay, why are we in that, why are we in that uh, phase? What's the advantages to people in, in having that. Well, and I thought, I well, think, let, I, let me sorry. throw this at you and hopefully it'll, it'll give you some food to, to work with. Right. We have made labor far more expensive in the Western world than simply wage. Yes. We tax the hell out of labor. Yes. We throw so many costs onto it and we, uh, over and above taxation. We have also uh, the whole drive for workplace safety, while has a good intent, mm. has also had the I think the very unintended and unforeseen consequence of making our labor incredibly expensive. Yes, the number of regulations we have in simply regards to HR, uh, in regards to um, taxation on it, and by taxation I'm going to say everything from out and out taxation to to more deferred or hidden taxation like such as the various premiums mm-hmm. and payroll taxes that we that we put on between provincial and federal levels and of course every jurisdiction has has their equivalents <clears throat> in addition to workplace regulations that we've meant to to regulate the workplace everything from minimum wage to overtime to policies of where and when someone can work with good intentions but have had the unintended an unforeseen consequence of making labor maybe I would say probably 300% more expensive than what it was in 1961. Anyway, now yeah. I give you the floor, sir. Well, yeah, just the other thing, um, like this, the, the journeyman or apprentice electricians or, or automotive technicians that matter, they, they don't learn to diagnose. They, they, you know, they plug in, yeah, plug in the magic box. Yeah. Right. That is, designed and built and only really understood the science of how the magic box yep. works is only understood by somebody with the yeah with a with a degree in system architecture yeah. or something like that yeah. right um okay the sub-assembly mm-hmm. a is bad sub-assembly a is also a magic box yeah right because the guy who's 
pulling it out, putting it in. It does not work. Yep. Right? Just pull it out, plug it in. Well, right? I mean, for the most part. Or, sorry, go ahead if you want. You no, it's just, it's just so you end up with the credential. Everything relies on. I'm feeling a little conspiratorial, but it's not right. Everything everything now relies on the credential people at the top who have to who are the magicians, right? Whether they're mm-hmm. systems engineers or or designing oh, yeah. designing microprocessors or whatever they're doing, right? Oh, so and they build these magic boxes so that the uh, you know the rest of us who don't have you know whatever the PhD in computer science or computer or or, like, or physics or whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? To design magic boxes. Uh, can just unplug and plug in replacement ones and then throw the old one away. Well, yeah. Right. I mean, we've become a disposable society. It yeah. is yeah. in every possible way. It's it's cheaper to just replace something than to have yeah. it repaired. I Not mean, just cheaper. More. F- the only way we can yeah. do it. Like, when you look at home renovations. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need a, say I need, I need a new roof. And then you get a quote. And think, oh, my God. The cost. Yeah. We have made labor incredibly expensive i did i did the uh the, i did the roof on this place about uh six years ago mm-hmm. you know and it was uh uh the guy gave me two prices he's like here's the cash price and here's the price if you need a receipt yeah and it was it yeah was, it was uh, i paid 4500 bucks and i didn't get a receipt yeah I if you let me do it with illegal under the table labor from mexico yeah this is what it's going to cost you yeah and, yeah, and it that, wasn't it wasn't mexican yeah. labor but yeah or yeah you know what i mean but it was yeah. like yeah we yeah and then i realized well guys paid cash on a barrel head the same way i'm like yeah i should have yeah. I, I should have paid the extra 300 bucks for the receipts just because i could send it to my insurance company and say hey i got a new roof yeah but yeah i mean my response to what you're saying is it's <clears throat> Is it more expensive, quote unquote? And there are elements to it that are more expensive. And we've been seeing that. My argument has been, you know, professionally for the last, you know, twenty odd years, you know, with the advent of ISO, mm-hmm. uh, and then with the rise of HR, um, and safety considerations, O H and S, and outsourcing. All four of these things have kind of come mm-hmm. together to create this perfect storm of. Yes, there are some expenses that go with this, um, but there's also, I, I would argue that the biggest expense is the, the lack of efficiency to it all, right? Um, that yeah. It's... All, all this stuff, all this extra regulation, especially OH&S, HR, yep. right? You got to remember, like, in, like, at least in North America, the vast majority of people in the private sector are employed by small business, right? And all this mm-hmm. stuff hurts or burdens small business yep. more than it does large business. Because mm-hmm. so there's like, economies of scale. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, you know, so the, the the small company with less than 100 employees or even less than 50 employees, it's a yeah. lot more, you know, the, the HR burden, one or is, two HR is, people, Yeah, it's significant. Is way more. And, yeah. the, and the safety guy. And then, yeah. Right? And then the, uh, but yeah, for obviously for the Fortune 500 company, it's... it's yeah, if you you've know, got a, a, a huge conglomerate, like yeah. say Superstore, you can spread out those costs among much more, yeah. many more and, employees. And especially if it's like say, the one, small town grocery one, store. one HR person could do 200 people, but you have to have one HR person from one employee all the way up to, all to, way up to, to 200, 200 people. Employees, exactly. Right? So. exactly. And, and where this kind of kicks into the new class concept or how, it, how it's causing tension in the society is this burden disproportionately, this, this, this labor 
burden or this cost of labor disproportionately affects technical people. Yeah. Because if I work in a plumbing firm, I can only service the people within, say, you know, 100 kilometers of my, of yeah. my locality. Yeah. That's the limit to my market yeah. or my potential customers. Whereas, say, if I work in business services or if I work with information. Yeah. The world's your oyster. Yeah. For example, my sister is, uh, works as uh, in, in accountant. She's not an accountant, but she works in accountancy mm-hmm. in uh, cost, co- like bean counting for a firm that handles business uh, management software for restaurants. Right. And their clients are all over the world. I have two very close friends from Germany who were just here to visit me. They both work for SAP. And their customer base is global. So the cost of labor is the, 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 art, the hiking of this cost of labor affects them disproportionately or it doesn't affect them as badly because they can ex- easily expand their customer base to bring in more revenue to offset those costs. Right. But the construction company, the electrical firm, the plumber, the mechanic, the trades, you know, the, these, even though they're highly skilled yep. and incredibly valuable to us, they can't. Right. So a <clears throat> couple, of, couple of thoughts that arise out of that. First of all, I mean, when you talk about your physical and your virtual, mm-hmm. right, I would argue that to a certain extent, your, your technical, your plumber, your electrician, mm-hmm with your 100 kilometer radius, um, that's your physical. Yeah. Right? So a lot's going to depend because those are, those are actual needs that people are going to have for their homes and their and, businesses. And you can't right? do that through a software patch. Exactly. So that is one of the strengths of it. So a lot's mm-hmm. going to depend on, okay, what competition do you have within that 100 kilometer radius? Mm-hmm. Whereas you're right, someone who's got more of a virtual-based mm-hmm. uh, business concept that could go global, you know, your, your, your scope for competition is mm-hmm. likewise global. There's going to be all sorts of people out there, right? Um, so that's one thought. The other thing is you bring up SAP in particular. I've mm-hmm. dealt with SAP. Yeah. And so when I'm talking about how these things... What does SAP do? It's an enterprise resource or it's an ERP. It's enterprise an ERP resource system. planning system. So it, it, it's, it's business software. It, 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 it handles... You can get like what? There's 16 modules for it now? Uh, I don't even know. I you can get I a module that does shipping and receiving, one that does accounts payable, one that does accounts receivable. And it's all a, a, a massive software package that instantly links all of these different departments right. in real time. So when something hits on the dock on your, on your receiving, you, your guy punches it in and it says, yes, it is in our possession. Yeah. Uh, we haven't received it yet. But at least we got it. It's here. So now but, the guy in the sales floor is notified in real time that, that sell it. the widget arrived. I'm not going to be able to sell it yet, or I can't maybe ship it yet, but I can at least tell the client that it's here. Client buys it. Payment hits accounts payable or accounts yeah. receivable. Receivable says, yeah, we got the payment. So then we can notify the warehouse to say, this widget is already spoken for. As soon as you receive it, put it on a pallet, ship it out the door. Right. Okay. So that's the theory. That's the intent, mm-hmm. right? And the way I was going with this, when yeah. I talk about inefficiencies mm-hmm. uh, of these systems, and I can throw plenty of examples, but SAP yeah. is a great one. Yeah. And this is going back to 2009 mm-hmm. when, when I had to deal with it. Because, yeah, it's great. You've got the system in place. Yeah. 
but the administration of it still depends on the human beings who are manning every single station. And how well every, they are trained. Every, every, well, not just the training, every part of the process. So 2009, mm-hmm. this is after the bubble burst, yep. right? So everything went to shit, right? So <clears throat> I was working for a chemical processing company, and um, I was doing the operational administration yep. using SAP. Yeah. And so I was supposed to be writing up the orders. Mm-hmm. For all the various products, we're supposed to get anything from five-gallon pails to rail cars, yeah. right? Um, and totes and everything in between. And sometimes it was mixed products, sometimes it was diluted products, mm-hmm. sometimes it was just transfer of product. But everything would become dependent on the allocation of labor within the company. And so the person who was doing the receiving, mm-hmm. the AP, mm-hmm. so... She was doing the receiving of the product, mm-hmm. the, the paperwork of it, and the payment of it. And until that could occur, we could have a rail car okay. full of products sitting on site. But until that paperwork had been processed, yep. and it was at the bottom yep. of this massive pile yep. that she was losing ground on every day, yep. I could not, it, it would not, that product would not yep. be entered in the system. So yep. I could not create orders yeah, exactly. for it. Exactly. Right? And, and, that was a massive inefficiency, yes. right? So you, I would have well, to go... But what's the and, problem, Mary? Is the problem that your receiving team was understaffed? Yes. Yeah. So right. that had nothing to do with the software. No, but... That had to it, do with the cost create, of labor. It had to do... Well, yes, depending on how you look at it. And that's... This becomes my argument mm-hmm. on, on a leadership versus management. Mm-hmm. But this is actually poor management, right? Um, you know, the... You know, the guy who was the general manager of this facility mm-hmm. was a former salesperson. And don't get me started on that. Mm-hmm. Put a salesperson in, front yeah. of, in charge of running something. Right? I've, I've heard that often happens. Yeah. That salespeople, because right. they generate income. Yeah. yeah but they, they, but they, they, they don't know. They income and they're always in your face. Kind yeah. of, but right? but they, they don't know. Salespeople and they're always tend, advocating for themselves. Salespeople tend to rise to the top. Yeah. But they don't know how to run a freaking operation. No, and this, is, this is the same thing over they know and over how to and over sell. again. Yeah. Right? No, but so, yeah, and yeah. they sell themselves, right? Yeah. Like, so it's it's like so their approach to things was oh mm-hmm. I got to make my bottom line look good mm-hmm. right we're we're in yep. a we're in a bare economy right now yep. so I've got to cut my I labor gotta minimize my costs right? so now, yeah. and I got to put my pressure on my people yeah right when and, actually your efficiencies yep. aren't there and and your logistically your supply chain is the low hanging fruit because they tend to be not to be accredited mm-hmm. they tend to be seen as unskilled labor mm-hmm. and there is the common belief that oh yeah we can. A monkey can do that job. Yeah. Same thing with your tool crib. Any friggin' idiot can do the tool crib. I'm not going to put any yeah. resource into that whatsoever. Spoiler alert, I'm pretty <laughs> sure Patty here has been working in a tool crib at some point no, in his career. No, but I was in, in when I worked city side, I, uh, I often had to manage site services, of which tool crib was part of it. Right. And when your tool crib is, when you've got someone, there's a massive difference having a tradesman in the tool crib mm-hmm. to having a laborer in the tool crib. Mm-hmm. You want your product, you want tools to get out on the, on the site and things to start moving and your guys to get the work, put a couple of journeymen in the tool crib. Yeah. If you want massive delays at the start and the end of every day, and you want to lose probably 45 minutes to an hour of production time because everyone's lined up at the tool crib, put a couple of laborers in there who don't know what they're doing 
who have no training, no background, no experience, but very low labor cost. Yeah. And, I mean, and that mm -hmm. way you can step over entire dollars to save a few dimes. Yeah, exactly. That's, and that's always been my yeah. mantra. You, you know, it's one of my mantras actually. Is yeah. You show me a company yeah. who's worried about seconds and yeah. pennies, yeah. I'll show you a company that's losing dollars. minutes, yeah. hours, yeah. and thousands of dollars. Yeah. I, I knew I, he's retired now, but I had a friend who made a lot of good money. But he had this kind of team of like six or seven really talented people. And what they would do is they would find companies, they would find generally manufacturers, and they specialized in uh, people who are making modules, construction modules for oil patch, mm -hmm. who had nickel and dimed their supply chain. And they tried to save money on, on that by understaffing it and by not bringing in like highly skilled people. And of course, they were so far behind. They they didn't know where things were. They like they had a huge, massive laydown that was just random. Nobody could find anything. And the customers saying to them, "Okay, you're so far behind schedule. If you don't solve the problem in sixty days, we consider the contract terminated." Mm -hmm. And so now they panic. So they bring in my friend, and he has his his crew of six or seven people who are really, really good at what they do. And he negotiates a flat fee. This is what you're paying me. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's non-negotiable. You take it or leave it. And of course, they're desperate. They're going to lose this contract. They, they're desperate by now. So they okay, pay. And he comes rolling in there. And in 45 days, that place is just moving like a Swiss watch. And they know that at the end of the contract, they're, they're not being hired again because they say, oh, well, you know, you guys cost three or four times what we were paying before. And it's also the nature of that business where every day is day one, where people in oil and gas have no long-term memory whatsoever. 60 days ago, you were in a complete froth at the mouth panic because you were going to lose your contract because your supply chain was such... Uh, a rodeo yeah now fast forward 75 days and your supply chain is seamless you think you can oh i don't want to pay for these guys these is cadillac these guys are way too expensive you think you can now go back to paying to understaffing it with yeah. uh unskilled employees and figure you're going to maintain that level of performance but of course my friend knew that mm -hmm. so he just took his crew from company to company, to company. And of course, by keeping those seven experts together, and it was definitely based on personal relationships because they all knew that, you know what, we're going to have to ride out three, four weeks between contracts. Yeah. Right? That we're going to be kind of unemployed while, well, you know, he's, he's searching for, for, for a new one or, you know, searching for a new home for us. Yeah. But they also got better as they went. Right. Because they had worked... Like by the time I knew him, they had all worked on like 25 different sites. Right. They had, there was not a problem in supply chain that that group hadn't seen and solved. Right. They were, oh yeah, they were smooth. Hmm. So anyway. Point of that story is. The point of that story is that it is in the nature of businesses to cut 
yeah, they, they, they need to cut their labor costs, especially in, in a tough economy. Well, no, say, say I think the argument here is they don't need to cut their labor costs. Well, to, what they need to do is be able to recognize where what is efficient and what is not. There's two components right? to your labor cost. There's what you pay your people, mm-hmm. and then there's the overhead on that. Mm-hmm. I don't think people really worry that much about... I mean, in my experience, dealing with, with accounting... The over, like what we call burden rate, was more than the actual pay. Because there was, okay, if I'm going to pay a guy, say, $25 an hour, I'm looking at at least $25 an hour in terms of his benefits, sick time, UI, uh, other payroll taxes, HR taxes, safety costs. Because again, for every number of employees I have, once a lot of sites had a hard cap on your number of employees, because once you went above that, now you had to get a medical professional on site. Mm-hmm. And the higher the number, like if you get to a point where it was over like 110 or something like that, now we need a registered nurse. So now I got to pay nurses union rates on that. Absolutely. So And so, <clears throat> you know, the idea is, okay, I have a hard cap on the number of employees I can have. So which employees do I want to spend that burden rate on? Like it Mm -hmm. was definitely a balancing act. We have made the cost of labor, our our burden rates are more than the actual wages and salaries. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's not that people don't want to pay for skilled employees. I mean, we have no evidence of that. Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. If, 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 If I said to a guy, you can double the rate of pay for this guy, but I will more than double your production. Any business that's going to be around in the next 10 years is going to take that deal in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. The problem is is that we've increased the cost of labor a huge amount. Like I'm I'm going to throw a dart. I'm going to say 400%, but we haven't allowed productivity to increase. And that's why we are losing. That's why the global economy, we are more and more offshoring jobs so we're losing our manufacturing jobs. And for our service and our maintenance jobs, we've made the cost of it so massively high that, you know, like, like you were talking about, you need to get your plumbing fixed. You know, yeah. your hot water heater is crapped out. Well, it's, it's a huge burden on people. And so they say, okay, we are only do- like, yeah. I replaced that myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've 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 made people go into the DIY thing, yeah. which don't do it as well. It's not as efficient. We've created an underground economy. There are all kinds of externalities where we where we do not benefit as a society because we have artificially increased the burden rates and we cannot escape it. With like with manufacturing, we can escape by offshoring. We screw the people who used to work in the factory. That, you know, like that, that's, you know, the 75 people who used to work in that widget factory in Oshawa, they lose their jobs. Mm, oh, well, sorry, but it doesn't hurt the rest of 35 million of us. Learn to code. 40 million or whatever. What? Learn to code. Yeah, learn to code. Exactly. But it does hurt us because, well, I'm sorry, but I'm a white collar worker. I don't know how to fix a leak in my plumbing. I have to call in a plumber to do that. But... I own, because it is so incredibly expensive. I'm a lower level guy. Like I'm, I'm just a data entry yeah, type. I, can, you know, I, can't I only make $45,000 a year. I can't afford a plumber. So I got to go to some black market deal where a guy down my street 
is a second year apprentice and he'll work under the table for cash on the barrel head just to get it done. But you see what I mean? I mean, All of society <clears throat> loses when we create underground economies. All of our society loses when we start offshoring. And again, you know, to me, that's always been the race to the bottom. So this has always been one of mm-hmm. my comments, right? That the more we, we outsource offshore, right? It's like, okay, great. All right. So now you've got fewer people uh, working and those that are working yep. in your economy yep. are getting paid less. So who in your economy is now spending money on your shit, right? Like whatever it is you're creating in the, for the Canadian economy, how many Canadians are buying your stuff now? Right. right. So to me, that's always been the argument. Right. Well, if all we, of Western and society this is, is... how in these societies that are furthest down the road in this model of economy, the jurisdictions on the, west, on, on the coasts of the economy or the coast of North America... Mm-hmm. Like specifically, say, the entire West Coast, all the way from Prince Rupert, all the way down to San Diego, mm-hmm. where you have this massive schism where you have a, uh, a collection of ultra wealthy people mm-hmm. who thrive in this digital virtual economy and a massive underclass, which is barely surviving and nobody in the middle. No. Not That's, I think, is the end, the end state that we're going to get. Not only that, it's on the West Coast that in all those jurisdictions you just mentioned that you tend to get uh, a, a very leftist um, approach to things, right? Compared to the rest, to the rest now, of the country, especially the center of egg. the economy. Yeah. I'm going to throw this at you. Mm-hmm. Is it that leftism arises because of this situation or did leftism create the situation? Oh, uh, that's, I don't know if we're going to get into that right now. I mean, good question. Steve. Right? I don't know the answer to that question. I, I, I look at... Uh, Did the situation exist before those societies became hard left? Um, you well, know what? When you, when, you, when, you, when you take even the 60 or 70 year view, then no, right? Like California was a Republican stronghold until the 1980s. Right. Right. And and it's when it made the left turn is when things started to go downhill. Now, yes, yes. But, but it's what happened. What so I say, it seems to be downhill. a cultural. Well, it seems to be a cultural thing, isn't yeah. that? In the, the situation they're in now, mass unemployment, destruction of the middle class, yeah. uh, huge income disparity, uh, a massive underclass that lives in abject poverty and misery, deaths of despair in uh, drug addiction, uh, op- opioid and alcohol addiction. Off the charts. Not a good place, man. Yeah. I, I think what happens is these, these places become prosperous. Mm-hmm. I mean, all like yep. cities, whatever. They become yep. very prosperous. And then someone with a more progressive viewpoint comes mm-hmm. to people to say, hey, look, we got all this prosperity and we got this underclass. And or, yeah, we, we, we can redistribute. Through, through the instrument wealth. of government, we'll, yep. we'll redistribute, try and help. And people, yep. because they're good moral people, they, they, yeah, they, yeah, okay, they, they see this disparity, they yeah. see this inequity, and they want to help. And then it just... And, can, and I then, even, can I even throw something a bit more benign, but I think is really, 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 really important? They introduced the idea of government as societal problem solver. Yes. That maybe in the past, prior, say, to 1960, prior to um, the Quiet Revolution in Canada and the Great Society in the United States, prior to the economic miracle in Europe, the idea was that non-governmental organizations were the problem solvers. Yes. Charities, churches, 
uh, community groups, labor unions, um, and community groups, I mean, say like more fraternal societies, mm-hmm. Elks, Rotary, Lions, stuff like that. Um, even to a certain extent in Canada, in the immediate post-war, Second World War period, the Legion, a change comes when we say, look, instead of distributing our problem-solving efforts across many different channels that do not work in, in accord with one another, government should be the central problem solver of society because it can coordinate efforts. I'm not saying this is the way it works. I'm saying this is the idea. Well, it's the argument. Yeah, it's the argument argument made by progressives, right? That that government uh, can be, and, and, and the belief, the sincere and honest belief that government is of a higher moral plane. Yeah. That churches have their own agenda community groups have their own agenda the government has no agenda that the idea said be it profit government is not driven by the profit agenda government is driven by a moral desire to help and therefore it is the superior actor in problem solving yeah i would i would argue that i mean government has always been there what we've done is it's evolved its role in uh, but maybe it, its role in that respect has been evolving ever since the. But maybe it shouldn't have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It like, shouldn't. Like California, like Los Los Angeles County's budget for dealing with homelessness annually is something like one point two billion yeah. with a let, B yeah. dollars. Let yeah. me for clarify. less than a hundred thousand homeless people. Let me clarify. Yes. I, when I'm talking of government in these terms, I'm going back to, you know, tribes. I, I'm going back. Or you know, tens of thousands could of years. Could we say to, then at least to around say eighteen ninety five to nineteen hundred that the dawn of the progressive era, the dawn of of technical government. It's always interesting to define things in you know, progression in terms of something that old. And but, I mean that in in say the classical term, as historians refer to the progressive era. For me, I think what what I'll always argue is that government has evolved in the same way that I've argued that humanity has evolved. Like our, our concepts, you know, like our... That's our, a very <clears throat> progressive statement. That our, is classically <clears throat> progressive. What I will say is this, what we need to be careful He's of. And where These are, You are classical progressive, my friend. So it's in brand. If we could be classical uh, uh, liberals, you can be a classical progressive. Yes. So, but my argument is this, yeah. that one has to be careful mm-hmm. that... It needs to be society that's defining government, not the other way around. And we have reached that point. Mm -hmm. I think that's something we will all agree on, is that we get to a point where not only is government bureaucratic and, uh, by definition, inefficient, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's officious. It's the officiousness, I think, that bothers me as much as anything else nowadays. Now it's like we've joked about the concept of public service, yes. right? When yeah. uh, it's all, almost any time you run into it, it's, it's public it's role o- overlordship. Is, well, yeah. it's, it's, it's denial of service. It's yeah. like you yeah. are not going to yeah. get this service if I yeah. can help it. Yeah. And you can prove to me beyond a shadow of a doubt that you yeah. deserve this service. Right? Or, or like, uh, I want to put up a garden shed in my backyard. Well, no, you don't have the permit and I'm not going to let you have the permit. Yeah, just because I this is my little bit of power, and yeah. I like to have it. Oh, I, it, yeah, that drives me insane. Yeah, right? but, you know, uh, of all, of the many things that we discuss that are 
kind of inherent to humanity. That is one of the things that mm-hmm. people can fall back on that, yeah. that just drives me insane. Well, right? I would say, though, that historically, governments did not want... Like, I'm going to dispute your idea of evolution of government because until the progressive era of the close of the 19th century, governments did not want that. I mean, this, is, this was the, 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 the great contest within in the British experience in the administration of India in that the British government did not want to be a problem solver. It did not want that role. I think, you know, there, there will always be examples of how they took it on. And the one, I think the, the glaring one, is the abolition of slavery, uh, which was in the 1830s, 1834, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, when you, when you consider the history of the British Empire and how, you know, it was treating the Irish mm-hmm. up until the 20s, mm-hmm. as an example. Until independence. Right. Um, you know, there are some examples of enlightened government mm-hmm. by the British, and, and that was one of them. It's, it's okay. Well, I, I, Slavery I, I, is a bad thing, and we are going to officially declare it as a bad thing and not yeah. allow for it anymore. You know? But that was like, that was, that definitely predated the whole concept, though. I mean, but that's, slavery but, was what outlawed in the British Empire in 1824. No, I think it was 1830. I'm pretty sure it was the 1830s. In that neighborhood, though. Yeah, sure. And, of course, the great abolitionist uh, uh, movement began in the late 18th with the Enlightenment. The idea that, like, say, in 1780 onwards, the idea that, you know, that we are all created in God's image and, therefore, we are all created equal. Yeah, and it shouldn't have taken that long. Even, well, you know, one, one thinks about it. You know, well, no, because this was the way that human beings evolved. We had, my point exactly. We, I mean, not in that way. I mean, our biology as Homo sapiens hmm. was shaped by the social structure that we had ever since Australopithecus first roamed the the savanna. And that humanity had always been this way. And then when a bunch of philosophers, you know, a bunch of salons in Europe, in, you know, Voltaire and, and, uh, and Hobbes come rolling out with the, these ideas in the, late, in the late 18th, genetically speaking, evolutionarily speaking, that's the blink of an eye. We yeah, but I mean, still haven't quite embraced our biology, I think, holds us back. Oh yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, intellectually, a lot of that stuff had you know it was you know you've got Plato, you've got Socrates, you've got Aristotle way back when, right? You've got yeah, you know, but that I, had been lost yeah with the fall of the classes, and we had to start over again. Yeah, but there were stepping stones along the way. Like again, Magna Carta is mm-hmm. the one I'll always bring up. Right? Yes, you know, so you get these things, and again, it's society dependent. Yep. You know, you look at yep. Iceland. Yep. Iceland is yep. the the first. Republic or yeah. democracy, the, depending the on the Germanic-speaking right? nations move further, like and faster down this road than yeah. other groups. Yo, yeah. in certain places, in certain contexts, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. right. And you know, notwithstanding all this, and, and this is why I, I feel contemporary society is we're back into a dark age now. Is you know, having discussed the fact that it took until the late 18th century mm-hmm. to start talking about these things. 
to start taking the obvious uh, points. I can't even remember if it's, it's the, the Constitution of the U.S. or the Declaration of Independence, but we hold these truths to be self-evident, mm-hmm. that all men are created equal. Yeah. Right? And a whole bunch of people, states, signed yep. on to this. Yep. In full view of the ironic paradox of slavery occurring within, within some of those that, jurisdictions at yep. that time, right? So the fact that it took as long as it did to have that conversation that you talk about, so yep. Voltaire and Hobbes yep. are bringing it up, then it takes till 1820-something, 1830-something for the British Empire to say, okay, this is actually a bad yep. thing. And it takes a war in the U.S. Yep. 40, 50 years later. Yeah over that and then and we're yeah. still when did, still dealing when with racism. did russia finally outlaw slavery i have no idea 1890 1895 when when did they emancipate the serfs in russia yeah maybe even early 20th not soon enough well yeah but this is what i mean like slavery continued to exist um well after the european powers or the western powers abandoned it yeah and uh and like say the United States abandoned it in '65. Um, it was uh, quite uh, contemporary to the American Civil War, 1861, actually. 1861, okay. Emancipation of the yep. um, The North African states continued to use slavery. I think the Ottoman Empire continued to use slavery up into the 20th century, didn't they? Yeah. It is still in practice in Africa today, mm-hmm. in in areas around Sudan and Niger, so far as I know. So and and even just. I, I have even read. I don't know how accurate this I is. I think there's a lot of lot of uh, uh, slavery in Western Africa as well. Like yeah, uh, that there like are sexual, more slaves in Africa today than there ever were. ever were in the antebellum South. Yeah. So I don't know how true that is. I've just I've, I've heard of that in a number of yeah. times too. Well, I mean, you know, that what was be, the big, that could be an urban myth. What was the big deal about Talisman back in what was it the early two thousands? Talisman Energy. Yeah, I mean, they they were using slave labor on one of their pipelines and. Dan, I think it was. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, it's, but it's, to me, again, it's, it's coming to us in mm-hmm. the Western world. Um, you know, now we're having race wars again, mm-hmm. right? Just what, yesterday, some guy walked into a, was it a Walmart? In, I, I somewhere in the States and shot three people because he'd he been, didn't like their color. Well, he, he'd been turned down for application at some predominantly mm. black university mm. somewhere, right? Mm. So he went somewhere else, found three black people and shot them. Shot them. Then shot himself, right? Mm. I mean, just, it really bothers me that people still get stuck on, you know, color of skin and religion and and who they choose to have sex with. It's just like, oh my God, it's, there's such a laziness of soul these days mm. that, you know, th- this is what we're stuck with. And again, it's these extremes at both ends. And, and Unfortunately, the age, the digital age we live in deliberately pushes people to the extremes. Well, it, it provides them. The, the algorithms of social media. Allow them to exchange views. Not just that. It, it encourages extremes. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's well, the, the basically engagement it's, issue, right? It's, it's, engagement. All you need is Google, one nugget. One, one yep. person says something, and then if a whole bunch of people follow it, then it just starts Google that. Google and Meta make money by people being in the extremes because yep. it keeps you on angry, scared, what is it? Yeah, angry and scared people stay on social media longer than happy, contented people. Yep. 
So they make money by keeping you on a social media platform, be it Instagram, be it TikTok, be it Facebook, be it YouTube. They make more money by keeping your eyeballs on that screen every single minute they can. So they deliberately try to make you scared or angry. And that's, I think, the reason. Like if, if I'm, there are others, don't get me wrong, but I think if I had to pick one thing that would make our society less extreme and less polarized, it would be social media. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, now we're into the vicious circle of supply and demand again, right? Now we're back to what the kinks were saying about back in 82, like give the people what they want, right? Every time we mm -hmm. talk about media mm -hmm. and, and messaging um, and how it's put out there and exactly what you're talking mm -hmm. about, even the mainstream. Yeah. You know, even if I talk about CBC, mm -hmm. right, and, you know, we're going to have varying oppositional views about the CBC. Yeah. E even I see the CBC as being within a context of presenting things to people in a way that they, quote unquote, want to hear it. Mm -hmm. Right. That's where our society is at these days. Just to be competitive. Do you ever watch Peter Zihan's shorts on YouTube? Probably not. He has an interesting one about why we can't... He's a geopolitical strategist. Hmm. Um, don't subscribe to all of his stuff. But he always he's always interesting. You know, mm -hmm. he, he's, if you've got five minutes to kill, his shorts are always always thought-provoking. Yeah, his, yeah, his videos yeah. are in five yeah. to ten minutes in there. Yeah. And he does them while he's backpacking somewhere. He'll go hike up on a nature trail and he'll pull out his phone and do a selfie quick video. He does one about why we can't trust media anymore. I haven't watched that one yet. I just came out the other day. But... Interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. He is exceptionally critical of Facebook as a news aggregator. Mm -hmm. uh, basically saying, you know, Facebook is the worst place in the world to get your information from. And then I contrast that to a longer video that is done by Daily Wire, hosted by uh, Ben Shapiro, where he gives a history of American media. That's actually interesting from a historical point of view, especially what he, where he talks about. Uh, oh, we got a we got a crosstalk going on here. Um, what he talks about, interestingly, or what I found the most interesting was the the evolution and the history of media, all through going from the the founding, which was basically pam pamphleteers mm -hmm. in the late eighteenth. And then with the, I suppose a big part of it had to do with uh, the innovation of printing presses, which made them more accessible to more people. And then the idea of municipal newspapers began to evolve. And the role and the, how journalists saw themselves and the labels that they put on themselves and their own concept of what their purpose was and how that evolved through the 19th century. That I found really interesting. Oh, I mean, no he doubt. draws his own conclusions as to how we get from there to, say, 2015. And okay, yeah, he, he presents his things from, from a very right-wing conservative viewpoint. But just the historical... He doesn't represent himself. Like, when he talks about himself, he thinks of himself as, I guess, a center lefty, I think, is how he thinks of himself. He yeah. thinks of him, but he is, deaf by any way you cut it, Yeah, he is, I would say... He's definitely, yeah. definitely. Do we, do we uh, want to listen to this at seven minutes? I can bring it up. Right well, now. what we can do is we can pause, and we can listen to this offline, 
and then we can come back and discuss it. If you guys feel that it is still germane to our concept, uh, we were originally going to talk about that Richmond, north of Richmond. Yeah, we kind of all. Well, I, mean, well, I, I think that. that was our starting point. Yeah, that was and, our starting and I think, point. <clears throat> and you know, it's the conversation has naturally evolved from there. Yeah. So, so well, as we look, get off, and we've yeah. already covered media, so I don't Just, really want to. Get well, I, th- I think yeah. the one point I would make about me, I'm sorry, Steve. I mean, we keep interrupting you, so. It sucks to be you, but um, <laughs> I, I, we'll come back to you in a second. Yeah. But I, th- I think the one thing we have to say about the yeah, the media is the media, and it's gonna it, it's gonna do what it does, yeah, it's and gonna it's gonna, gonna it sell does. itself the yeah. way it does. Yeah. And from the give the people what they want concept, I mean, we cannot write off the responsibility as individuals within our society that we are. To like to, it, to be shrewd or at least in acting consumers in how we media. take yeah. in what yeah. the media is presenting Absolutely. us, right? And I need to be able to do that with Fox News just as much as you need to be able to do that with the CBC, well, right? It's, I consider it's the source. The, I consider yeah. the source as well. So I, I don't like saying the words Fox News. Fox News. I don't like those coming out of my mouth, right? But I need mm-hmm. to be able to hear what they've got to say and put it in a context. Yeah. Right? And I, I need got, to be able to absorb that no information problem. and assimilate it. I got no problem with the CBC's um, programming and their content. None. My problem is when someone says, I don't want you to be able to see anything other than CBC. I am going to restrict your access to, say, a Fox News or... Or what's really out there? What's really out there? Like on the internet. Well, like like uh, the Federalist Papers America or, or America First. OAN, or, One America what? Network or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Newsmax. Or, or, or Red Newsmax. Newsmax, perfect. Or redstate.org. Yeah, or say, like I'm going to forbid you access to Newsmax. I'm going to forbid you access to Fox. That's when I start saying, okay, Maybe no, 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 no. This that's not we, cool. The, or just to finish the thought, when I am mandated to support CBC. I do not have a choice in whether or not I support CBC and I resent that because they do not represent me. I, I, I feel no affinity to their product. If, if somebody else wants to watch CBC, okay, you pay for it. Don't make me pay for it. That's, but other than the, what are you, you're rolling your eyes. <coughs> what? Yeah, that was the sound you heard there, ladies. User pay, buddy. What, you think, do, should I be able to appropriate your money to support uh, oh, Fox okay, News? Okay, now we're going to go down the road of where my tax dollars are going. Yes, absolutely. I don't believe in state propaganda. If you want to watch that stuff, okay, fine. You pay for it. We, we, this is this is, and we, we. I find we just circled back to a certain extent um, to when I said, talk about the responsibilities of the individuals. Um, my and, individual and responsibility w- w- to with, support other people's causes with. With rights come responsibilities, yeah. right? So whenever we talk about freedom of speech and, and we've got the idealistic view that you know all, <clears throat> all suppression of free speech yeah. is bad, right? Okay. What needs to come with that, <clears throat> in my view, is a responsibility for whoever's putting stuff out there mm-hmm. to... Be putting out a responsible message. Okay. Right? What's that got to do with appropriating people's wealth to support a given particular... Well, I, I was responding to something you had previously said. Right? Oh, so, okay. um, 
that what you just yeah. said there is like okay now we're going to talk about where our tax dollars where I resent well, my tax yeah. dollars going right Bef- you know before we get into tax dollars I just wanted to and this is another irrelevant you again you, you again, again. <laughs> yeah you again you start muting muting your microphone you right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the uh, well, the power censorship the I power. power I thought you were a libertarian uh, don't you censor me this is so awesome <laughs> okay go on hey. It's my podcast machine. That's right. This, this They're my microphones. Oh, my... now you're an oppressive uh, Here we yeah. go. Come brother. and see the violence inherent in the, the system. system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, the thing I was going to yeah. think, we were talking about engagement, how the, how, yeah. um, the anger drives engagement and yeah. how, how Meta and, and Google make all this money. Yeah. Um, Canada is now an interesting experiment now that we can't share news That's stories right. on Facebook. Yeah. Right? Like... Or on social media, period, yep. right? Like, yep. what do you think that's going to do to engagement in Canada? Do you think it's going to drive it down? Are Canadians going to become more rational because they can't share crap on Twitter I, and, and, and Facebook and stuff? Yes. For me, short answer, yes. Yeah. So this is going to be like, I don't think it's going to be. I can't see how that's utopia. in the. I can't see. Yeah. It's the unintended or yeah. unintended. Like, consequences I don't think it's going to solve the problem, but it won't be as bad. Yeah. But I, that doesn't, I, I mean, because of our general dim view of, of the of the present federal government, that's not in their interests, right? Like, in in a more a more rational, less less reactionary. No, but I don't think they were thinking of that when they made that legislation. No, of course they weren't. They they wanted, we're talking unintended consequences, but the unintended never, consequences are usually more consequential than the intended they consequences. They never thought for a minute that Facebook would would call their bluff. Yeah, never thought for one sharp second that facebook would do this This is a problem when you're when you're like when you're a country with the uh, a population slightly lower than california and you're Mm -hmm. dealing with corporations that whose domestic product is like two to three times yours yes as your country like what's like if you like facebook lose lost california other than the fact that they're headquartered in california but if they up and moved up and moved to Texas, right? Yeah. California. And the big one came and California fell off the map. Facebook yeah. wouldn't notice. And they probably wouldn't even notice in the revenue stream. Yeah, right? probably like, not. Probably no, not. Because it's, it's global. Same with Alphabet, right? Like, yep. Yep. Wasn't the whole point of the legislation, um, it was it was arguing that Canadian content was being shared without right. the generators of the content getting any revenue for it. Yeah, that's, it, that's, was, it was a way to generate income for Canadian state media. Yeah, well, not because, just, because not just Canadian state media, yeah, all Canadian, Canadian state, media. Yeah. Which, no, only approved media that made the government list of funding approved sources. Yeah, Not but everybody gets it. Okay. Like, for example, we could be considered media. We're not getting that funding. If uh, you and I made a print column, and we put it on, say, our own. We let's say we make our own little news site. Okay. We're or get a getting, Substack or whatever. Yeah, we're not getting that funding. Nope. Like and I, I, I know um, what I. Expect uh, what's what's to... the what is the National Observer, left wing publication? So far as I know, they do not get federal funding. <gasps> they a are making a, yep. a left wing yep, publication yep, 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 not yep. getting federal funding. Yes. What? So, whoa! What is up with that, man? Uh, I just want to uh, say let's that talk it is not just say someone like say the Western Standard, which is not getting not getting funding. It's just because you're left wing doesn't mean you automatically get funding. You have to make an approved list you heard, heard by the federal folks. government, 
And of course, that list is the gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. For every national post that's going to be on that list, there are five Toronto stars or Thais. But, so, okay, so, so what but, I'm hearing but, then but see is... see what Meta's done, because I discovered this earlier this week, yeah. what Meta's done is you can't share. share. If you're a Canadian, you can't share, share anything. anything. I tried to share a BBC link about Progosian's death on, yep. in a Facebook group. It wouldn't let me do it because I'm right. in Canada. Right. Right? Like Really? Yeah. Now, and it was, like I said, Have BBC you got link. a VPN? I do not know. And I was doing it off my phone, but yeah. I would be interested in knowing if a VPN. Well, that's the other, the other, and, and I'm sure I can. It's the other unintended consequence of the legislation is that means everybody's going to get VPNs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, again, I, I, I think for sure they, I thought, I am certain that they thought, the federal government thought that Facebook would blink as they did in Australia and cut a deal. Yeah. And get some, because I think what, what the federal government wants more than anything is to preserve these mainstream media clients. Yeah. To, to keep them alive. It would be a disaster for them on massive scale. If mainstream media collapsed. I think <clears throat> not just for them. I mean, for me in particular now for this is just me talking, mm -hmm. um, just because this is the way I've grown up. I would, not want to see the CBC go or the CTV go or Global go. Um, if they did, where would you get your news? Probably through YouTube clouds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose you could tune into something like BBC. BBC, ABC, I mean the Australian version. Whatever. State broadcasters. DW English service, whatever. Yeah. yeah. yeah Actually, Deutsche, Deutsche Welle is, is not a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. Strangely yeah. enough, like... Actually, so, Al Jazeera mm -hmm. English service is reasonably good. Uh, so, long story, I mean, uh, long story short... Uh, um, sorry, just to, before yeah. I go in there, uh, Zihan does praise Al Jazeera English yeah. as being a very unbiased news source yeah. because they were... As long as, as long as they're not talking about the Middle East. As long as... And that, he has that <laughs> caveat. As long right. as they're not talking about the Middle East. Yeah. But that Al Jazeera is desperately trying to become a world media player. So they thought yeah. we should have really high quality stuff. So they've tried, according to Zihan, yeah. they've tried not to allow bias to come in. Like they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're adopting that old 1950s kind of type style. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, but 1950s is actually a bit <clears throat> a step ahead when, if you think of something that's coming out of the Middle East. In its own way, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and more on that in a second. But we actually, for a number of reasons, uh, we ended up with a Roku stick mm -hmm. recently. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's stuck in the back of our TV. Yep. And that subscription comes with a number of free things. And one of them is Al Jazeera. Huh? Right? So we can watch Al Jazeera. You got a subscription to Roku? Yeah, I, I got a Roku. I have a Roku TV, and I just I never paid yeah, anything for it. Like well, that's why I'm no, the, like just having the stick gives you an account, and yeah, that oh, yeah, gives yeah, you yeah. access oh, gotcha. to a number of free things. Yeah, I didn't. Right? Know. I'll have what, to check my menu. I didn't know Al Jazeera. <clears> was yeah, on no, there. Al Jazeera's on there. Yeah, oh, that's neat. There's a whole. In fact, the, there's one. I can't remember what it's called, but it, it says here's a whole bunch of stuff from around the world, yeah. right? And it's got like 50 things you can choose from, 25 of which are out of Iran. <laughs> strangely enough. Right. Well, if they provide it for free, yeah, I mean, it's, who's going to give it to you? Yeah. It's there, so huh. uh, yeah, interesting. It, so that's some of the interesting stuff that's out there. But one of the things that I noticed um, when I was listening to uh, Al Jazeera was that they were talking about 
their inclusivity. So mm. female broadcast, mm-hmm. female participation, they're, they're looking at 50%, right. right? Which I thought was, that's what I was getting at before. Um, that's one of the angles that they're pushing to be more acceptably mainstream around the world. And so. also, I think, um, if I could maybe disparage them a little, it may also have to do with how they perceive their viewing audience. If their viewing audience says that they would be more receptive, or if their marketing research shows that their viewing audience is more receptive if they have a female presenter, then they're going to get a female well, that, That's essentially what I'm, yeah. I'm saying. It's got, it would be a different matter if they said, look, we're doing this. We, we haven't looked at our numbers, our audience numbers, but we're going to do it anyway because we feel it's an it's, it's equitable, equitable thing to do. Mm-hmm. That would be a different matter entirely. Yep. But if you're saying, look, we're following the money. It's just as amoral if they said, look, we're only going to have uh, white okay. male broadcasters <clears throat> because that's what our audience wants to see. That would be <clears throat> equally amoral to well, me. The, well, then you'd be Fox News. Yeah, maybe. But at the same time, you can't criticize Fox News for saying, no, we're only going to have white male conservative presenters because that's what our audience wants to see. And then praising Al Jazeera for having 50% female I, I'm, I'm because neither, that's what their audience wants to say. I'm neither praising nor disparaging them. That, that, was, that comment was made specifically because mm. of something that came up previously in the conversation. Alrighty. I'm uncomfortable with the, uh, the, the moral judgment you, you waged against following the money. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. Being the capitalist. In the yeah. Well, no, well, you're I mean, the libertarian. The, the, I, thought the, he was, I thought he was the capitalist. You're the libertarian. I, libertarians are not. Well, it makes you think libertarians aren't capitalists. Libertarians think the private well, capitalism in the yeah. private sector is yeah. like libertarians is morally have to be capitalists. Well, yeah. that's, so while we're on the subject, I'd yeah. like to reel this back about 20, 25 minutes to a couple yeah. of points. I, think, I feel that in a lot of what we've mm-hmm. discussed, we're letting capitalism off the hook here, both in terms of um, what you're saying that oh yeah most companies you're uh, wrong already <laughs> most cap- capitalism doesn't need to be off the hook for anything it's government intervention in capitalism that creates distortions and that create the inequities and uh, this is what I was saying about Fox News capitalism is never right or wrong it just is it's, it's like the yeah. rain oh my lord the rain is not right or wrong could drought I, is not right or wrong could I darkness is not finish? right or wrong it just is but your point was wrong your point was wrong I haven't right, even made my point. The philosophical underpinnings of your point were completely wrong. I've got two points, and I've made neither of them. Okay, well, let, let's hear your... Let's okay, hear your, so right, right, you, you, when you were talking about... You uh, used the example yeah. of, uh, in your tool crib, having a couple right. of guys who were actually journeymen versus a couple of guys yeah. who were actual labor, laborers, and the inefficiencies of it, right? And then you went, you went down a couple of paths, and then yep. you, you yep. came out one of those paths saying that most companies would happily pay for the right person in the right position. I'm I'm going to call bullshit because most uh, companies... the caveat was production, if you double this guy's salary, will you increase... Or if if I went to a company and said, I can increase your your productivity per person by 105% if you increase the wage by 100%. They'll take that because it's still a win. No, they won't, because I. It's still higher profit. They're not going to see that. They're not going to see that. They're not going to accept that argument, right? They're still going to put the two. They'll probably put one laborer where they could put two journeymen. They think they're saving money, but the efficiencies you get 
they should pay for themselves. You should be able to make that argument. They're not going to hear it. The other point I was going to say where capitalism's getting off the hook is we were talking about the West Coast and California and the bourgeoisie. The, the, Before you go the on, destruction just to of the previous the, point, the you do understand that is a highly biased viewpoint, though. Yeah, it's my experience in the workforce. Well, okay, how much profit margin? Did you actually see the ledgers? If I can go to a company and say, if you double your salaries, I am going to more than more than double your profit, they're going to take that. But if I say you're just going to double your salaries for a 75% increase in profit, of course they're going to say no. Yeah, it's a net loss. Yeah, it's a net loss. Anyhow. anyway, so I'm just just saying that the idea that doubling wage that they are going to set wages that they're going to cut off their nose to spite their face just out of some ideological commitment to low wages that's 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 exactly the discussion we were having progressive view no it's it's the discussion we were having you were talking about the tool crib with two journeymen versus two laborers and how it's more efficient you need to be able to have that conversation with them sure but most people do not hear that because all they see is the two laborers costing less than the two journeymen. Anyways, the yeah. other point I was going to say where I feel capitalism's getting a free ride mm-hmm. in this conversation is when we're talking about the destruction of the middle class on the mm-hmm. West Coast. And that was somehow being attributed to uh, the leftist tendencies, the progressive tendencies. Overregulation. Of, of, yeah. And Government, I'm saying, listen. Interference in the marketplace and overregulation. The destruction of the middle class is at least partially due to. Uh, the discrepancies in wages and the, the, the living wages and the cost of living and the, all but the stuff what that we talked about the last but 20 what years. That? Uh, well, now we're going to pick apart the macroeconomics of it? I would say you have to. If you're going to attribute that stagnation in, in wages and standard of living to capitalism, I need you to connect those dots. Well, I'm going to argue quite vociferously. Like I, that, I need to know the mechanism. That, the amount being paid mm-hmm. to the individual workers yep. by quote unquote capitalism, mm-hmm. right, having gone down is has contributed to the destruction of the middle class. Wages have gone down. Yeah. People are earning less. Yeah. Because they're being paid less. Sure. And in real terms. But yeah, in real you- terms. But you're not connecting that. You're not demonstrating yeah. how voluntary exchange has caused that. Remember, Pat, Patty's talking about earlier is that yeah, we can agree that wages have gone down, but the cost yep. of labor has gone up. Yes, right. So if wages have gone down, so the or relatively, or relatively yep. gone down, yep. right, which means that the money is not the, yep. that those costs are not going to the employee. Yep. Or the laborer, they're going somewhere else. They're going somewhere else. And where's the other place they're going? They're right. going to spend. When you're, yep. when you're, if you're a company paying for labor, you're paying the laborer. Yep. You're paying the government. Yep. And who else? Maybe a pension fund. Yeah. Or, or an, an insurance company or for benefits. Overhead. Right. Yeah. There is overhead yeah, but attached that? to each individual worker. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. You're absolutely right. And there are inefficiencies that go with that. Yep. There are extra costs that go with it. Yes, that yep. burden is there. And, and but, there, but are, can, there are directions I want to take this conversation. That, yeah. you know, it could be along the lines of efficiencies or safety yeah. and stuff like that. Right? Not going to do that right now. But, I mean, we keep hearing the banks have record fucking profits every quarter. Okay. Every fucking quarter, banks okay. have record profits. Yep. 
since COVID, how came regulated along, is our industry? So since COVID came along, <clears throat> the and, and price of groceries, yeah. grocery chains are seeing record profits, mm-hmm. especially since uh, the war began last year. Right, record profits every year. Tell me that that's. Tell me that any of that is going to the workers. It's not, right? Okay. Well, first of all, on your that's, thing about record profits, I, I don't have data on this, but I have heard that the Loblaws Group was, had increased their profit and that this whole idea of record profits for all grocery stores is coming out of that story. And it's not that Loblaws, again, I don't have data on this. I stand to be corrected. But it was that Loblaws has made, has increased their margin. Not that they've made double their profit than what they did say in 2020. No. Or that every grocer, like every chain, be it overweighty, Loblaws, like there's three or four major chains or something like that. Yeah. uh, uh, Yeah. Sobeys, Loblaws, and overweighty are basically. And that small independents have not doubled their profit margin. Like the mom and pop in. No, because they West can't, Lock or they can't like compete, that. right? But the other thing is that a whole bunch of them got together and I think it was it was mm-hmm. the price fixing on bread, mm-hmm. right? You know, uh, and that's, that story predated, that has been in the courts for like eight years. No, that's yeah, been that, that well predates the war. That well predates our current inflation. The bread price fixing has been in the courts for years and they finally... Okay, that might have sort of predated the war. I don't see that as being eight years old, but oh, it's, way, it's close. It's close, okay. brother. So, yeah. so that to me becomes the argument yeah. right there. Okay, do we want controls on things unnecessarily? No, but when we get dicks like that price mm-hmm. fixing things, tell me no controls are needed, right? Tell me that someone doesn't but, need to be spanked for this bullshit. What's right? an acceptable margin? Yeah. What's what's a margin, right? Because yeah. back in... Uh, we're not talking margin. We're talking about price, price fixing. fixing. You guys, you yeah. guys, no, you guys it's, talk it's about competition. It's related. You I guys think, talk about competition. Let him roll. Right. I, it's related. I, th- I think I know where he's going with this. What like? But what but what is the margin? Because you got to remember, like back in... Was it 2008? Just before the collapse, I think, or what is mm-hmm. it? Uh, or maybe it might have been after the 2008 collapse. Fuel prices spiked. Hillary Clinton went on a rampage against ExxonMobil because they mm-hmm. they posted the largest profit uh, by a corporation in American history. But when she worked out the margin, because they, they did like 200 in a quarter, they did something yeah. like over a quarter billion in profit. Yeah. And then when you did it, you realized it was like in 20 billion of revenue. Right. Right, of total gross revenue. And so when you did the margins, the profit margin was actually less than 5%. Yeah. Right. It was just volume. It was just volume. It was just yeah. a huge volume. Yeah. Right. So then you come, well, I think 5% isn't much. A lot of businesses, no. unless you're running on a cash flow, cash yeah. flow model, can't survive on 5%. Like small yeah. businesses need to usually run 20. Yeah. Right. So 5%, it's not a huge yeah. margin. So, oh, this is, you know, this number, this big lump of cash here yeah. is really big and they don't deserve it. I'm like, well, one, don't they? And two, what yeah. are you going to do with it? Because yeah. that big lump of cash that you wanted to run, you know, was not going to run the United States government for a month, right? Uh, like, 
you guys have right? an answer for anything. Okay, so, so here we well, are. We're staring at rich men in the north. Well, and all no, around, we do. Hang on, that hang is on. an answer. What don't you like about I'm it? I'm circling back to Buddy here because singing his song. I don't working, think you can answer his working point. Working for That's why a you're bullshit wage. Working for a bullshit wage. Yes. Yes. Right? Okay. Yep. So here we are we're talking but about the class war, right? He also He's, talks about how he feels he is taxed to death. Unfairly. And that his money, yes. his taxes are going to places that they shouldn't go. Okay, he talks, so let, he talks about the 300 pound, the five foot seven. Buying or fudge rounds. <laughs> fudge okay. rounds. I didn't even know what fudge rounds were. All right. They're, so they're they I sound think delicious. So, yes. so, so we're, delicious. we're sidestepping the bullshit wage issue. It's never going to be an issue. It's, no. This is never something we're going to discuss no. or acknowledge. People, no. Well, people not getting paid enough. People not getting paid a living wage. I'm saying, yeah, I, I agree that people, well, number one, define me a living wage. And no. what should be paid a living wage for? Yes. Right? Like, I get if you're working, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week at a job, whether it's, yep. you know, a shipper receiver yep. or stock clerk yep. or whatever. If your job, yep. if you have a full-time job, you should be able to at least support yourself on that full-time job, even though it's not that. But you should be able I, to. Right? Ideally. Right? Not every full-time job necessarily is going to support a family. No. Because you, know, you should start I, Should but, I make, okay, let's say, let, let me just throw a number for the sake of easy math. We'll say mm-hmm. 50 grand a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I'm going to say 50 grand a year is what I need to support. No, okay. Let's talk real world. What do you need to support a family? Own your own home. Say a family, two kids. Well, I, oh, I you got to be in 100. You know in this country, you got to be at least 100. Don't even don't even throw owning your own home into it now. Okay, let's just right? say uh, rent for a two uh, three-bedroom apartment. Yeah. Three-bedroom apartment. Um, what, what would rent for a three-bedroom apartment in Edmonton be? Uh, Two thousand to, 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 to not be in a premium neighborhood like downtown. Be, We're living in Abbotsford. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're looking at you're looking at at least eighteen hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. eighteen hundred bucks I, a month. But I was looking at like ten years ago a two two bedroom apartment by Southgate. Call it two thousand a month. We're thirteen hundred bucks. Call so. it two thousand a month these days. Um, can I get a slum discount and do uh, eighteen hundred a month? Can we say that? Yeah, apparently. Okay, so that's twenty one six. You're gonna take us anywhere you want to. Twenty one twenty one six. Is what I need net just for my rent. Yeah. A year. Yeah, rent. Yeah. Just a year. So groceries for family of four. Well, let's let's stop right there. Twenty one six. Divide that by two thousand. That's twelve months, isn't it? Yeah. Is that where you came up with that number? <laughs> yeah. No, that's eleven months. I said eighteen hundred a month. Oh, yeah, rent. yeah, that's fine. Twelve months. Yeah. So did 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 you divide by twenty thousand or two thousand? Why would I divide it by 20,000? Just humor. Okay, so 1,800 a month, 1,800. Okay. Times 12, 216. Yeah. Okay, divide by 2,000. So then divide by 2,000, and that gives me 10.8. So that's 1080 an hour. Oh, okay. Is that, is that what the. 2,000 uh, hours a year? 2,000 hours a year is your, your basic. Oh, really? Yeah. Like that, a 40 hour week? Times three oh, well, times fifty-two weeks. Okay. Well, okay. yeah, two weeks but that's off, right? that's two weeks. And off, two weeks of right? vacation. Yeah. Gotcha, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Weeks, okay, right? no, I. I'm, so that, I'm that's your generic yep. rule of thumb, right? right? So that's ten eighty. That's just, just gonna, for that's just for rent. rent. Just for making rent. What? Oh, what do you guys spend on groceries a month, man? For just Karen and I? Yeah. I'm really bad at budgeting, so I'm. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm, I'm gonna say 300. I'm thinking, a month? I think 300. Uh, I think I'm spending at least that just for me. 
Yeah. I'm spending more than that just for me. I mean, again, I I'm, I'm a truck driver out of town, so I, I mean, I'm spending more. Out, I think I'm spending close to four a month. Yeah. Okay. Just, and that's I don't count my restaurant budget in that. Yeah. I think I'm so, spending close okay, to four. Okay. So we're saying four for you. Let's yeah. let's rein it in. Yep. Right. Let's say for a family that's trying to get by, let's call it four hundred a month. I think no, that's, I, no. it's got to be higher than that. If you're I'm spending say, three for the two of you, let's, and then you're talking growing kids, let's say eight hundred a month. Okay. Yeah, you, you got a hundred a month, six to eight, somewhere like that. Times twelve, ninety six hundred. So Div- we said divide by two thousand. Let's say plus twenty one eight hundred. Now we're at thirty thirty one four. Divide that by two thousand. Divide, divide by, by two thousand. Now does that include taxes? No, no, we haven't. We haven't started. Taxes. So now we're fifteen point seven an hour. So basically, taxes are about forty five percent. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Are they that yeah. high? They are that high. I thought high. they were more like a third. No. When you, for the average Canadian, well, no, we're talking about minimum wage, so it's going to be a third. Yeah. Okay. So $15. Let's, let's be generous. Well, $15.70 an hour is now what we need for groceries and what we need for rent. Okay. Pre-tax. Okay. Pre-tax. Net. Yeah. Pre-tax. So we're talking $31,400 is our cost per year for just food, just groceries. Right. What's our budget for transportation getting around? What's a bus pass now? I think 80, bus, 80 bucks, 90 bucks a year, month now? I, I think it's actually, it might be more expensive than a car. We've got four people. Oh, yeah, we're, we're talking about four people. So you're going to need a car. So yeah, a family car would be, more, would be cheaper, even with insurance. Are, are we running a beater? Yes. We're oh, running yeah. a beater. That we own outright. So there's no car payment. So now we're just it's, basically it's talking it. insurance yep. and registration. Insurance and registration. And registration is what, $100 a year? No. Insurance. Okay, it's close yeah, to $100 sure. a year. Call it 120 yeah. So 10 bucks a month. But, uh, but PLPD on a mm-hmm. decent driver over 25 Well, you're two drivers on one vehicle, let's say. And yep. you're still, you're going to be at least 700 bucks a year. At least. Okay. So let's say plus 800 Thirty-two two. What's fuel? Holy shit! Okay, we'll so assume we'll assume minivan. So we'll assume. <sighs> what are you spending on fuel a year? Maybe the bus pass is cheaper now. I'd say it's a hundred bucks a month. At least a hundred bucks a month. Oh, you're you're probably you're probably to double at least. Because okay, like my car. Yeah, like I have a Volkswagen. I have to put premium in it, but it's okay. a Volkswagen Golf. I'm gonna say two thousand dollars a year. I'm I'm spending sixty bucks a fill up to fill my car, and I'm doing probably once a week. Yeah, right. So maybe a little more. So yeah. I'm saying thirty four two now. Right. Yeah. And we haven't paid taxes yet. We haven't paid taxes yet. So can we add ten thousand dollars a year for just life expenses? Yeah. Okay. I think so. So now forty two four. Okay, now times one point three three for taxes. Yeah, because I mean, when you when you talk income tax rate, but then you got to talk. Um, so CP, we've included CPP we've included we've included gasoline taxes in the price of gas already. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because we're just doing retail cost, but so I guess but now be, we got it. We still got to add. Yeah. We haven't. Are we including GST? We're we including GST already. Well, because food, okay. there is no GST in food, but there's going to be GST. GST on absolutely everything else. And everything else. So let's so say one point eight three. So that we're still. That just. And there are hidden taxes like manufacturer sales tax and railway fuel tax that comes up on hidden in our cost 
all things. So yeah, I so think five percent already... across the board is still fair. Yeah, and we didn't factor in GST on our grocery budget. Right, we so, did. Yeah. So if we do one times one point eight three on top of this for taxes, would that be? That's way too much. One point eight three for taxes. You're saying 1.83% of 42.4 is... Because multiplying no. by 1.83, is that giving us 17%? No, I think... Hang on. Let's just take the taxes out of the okay. wage. Are we talking sales taxes or other taxes put on top of... Well, because we've got to talk about... We've, we've already got, included sales tax. Yeah, we're, we're assuming sales, Alberta. Okay. Sales, yeah. sales taxes... Okay. Sales taxes mostly... Baked into that cake. But okay. then we, we still have... But we still have uh, Canada Pension Plan, employment insurance. But that'll all come out of our, our pay. Okay, so yeah, 42.4 is our cost of living. Right. Yeah. Okay, just our cost of living. So if I divide that by 2,000, 21.2 an hour. And that's just going to be my cost of living. So basically... That's pre-tax. Pre-tax. So I need basically 40 bucks an hour between mom and dad combined. Yep. So yep. both of these people are going to have to be making 20 bucks an hour. Yeah. yeah, basically, to just survive. Right, that, and that ain't happening. That okay. is not happening out there right now. Can I justify twenty bucks an hour for flipping a burger? Well, you know, again, now now you're getting so a very yes, no. But here's the th- here's no, the thing. Now you're getting to have, who who is supposed to be flipping your burgers in this society? Can I should ask be kids? Anybody should be. Should Can be I ask? anybody to pay me 20 bucks an hour to run a lemonade stand no okay well i mean uh, i don't know why not why not how many hours are you working say i'm working a 40 hour week on my lemonade stand or your lemonade stand okay are you being deliberately obtuse here yes yes i'm I'm going to the extreme to establish print to establish a, a, a truth a law of economics are there certain jobs that we just cannot justify $20 an hour for? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We've at least established that point. But I think... So if again, we're going to talk about a living wage, yes. we can't just say, oh, well, Buddy should be allowed to do whatever the hell he wants, and then somebody else is somehow obligated to pay him no. 25 bucks an hour. No. But I think we'll find that there are, you know, do I have stats in front of me? No. You know, if we wanted to find the stats I'm going to have to go okay. looking for, fine. Right? Well, here's, here's, we'll a, here's another question. There, Should... there are probably way too many double income families out there mm-hmm. where one of them is working part time, one is working two part times, mm-hmm. right? Uh, for not enough, right? We ah! talk about. We How t- can you say that? For not enough to support their families. As we just okay. calculated. Okay. Right? If you go to... As, so whose fault is as that? As we just asked. Well, like I said, for me, it's capitalism. Okay. Connect those dots, please. <sighs> there are far too many people out there not making enough money to okay, support Okay, so themselves. how come that's not the fault of government? Why would that be the fault of government? Well, that's just what I asked you about capitalism. Why do we why, keep, why would that why be the fault of capitalism? Why do we keep capitalism? letting capitalism off the hook here? Like that, it's if you can show feel, causality, right? government is parasitic and to. capitalism isn't. Yeah, I would be capitalism happy. isn't parasitic. Yes, no. Show I me causality. Bullshit. Show me causality. Because how, how can we not capitalism creates wealth? 
Yeah, it creates wealth for yeah. shareholders. It creates no. wealth. It creates wealth for everybody. It creates wealth. It creates for wealth for employees. No. It creates wealth for labor. It Capitalism does, creates we wealth just, for uh, everyone involved in the transaction. We just talked about how the fact it is not creating wealth for the people who are in the working classes but who are actually doing the actual work. It's creating wealth capitalism. for the shareholders. It's creating wealth for the management class who are gaining that wealth for the shareholder. It is not gaining wealth for the people doing the actual work. And Again, that is what we're talking show about. Me, yes, but you're refusing to show causality. You're just saying it is. And you're asking us to accept this on a leap of faith. Like when we, 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 keep, we, we keep having disagree. the same we keep having the same conversation. When we right? talked about any time you talk of me, labor, we were we were at least trying to demonstrate a causality mm-hmm. as how regulation has caused this difference between the value of labor and its cost. That its I, cost is now higher than its value, and this is a problem for society. We at least tried to demonstrate how that is a, being caused. However, indirectly by regulation. I All agree. I'm asking for I you agree with is to you. do the same thing. I agree. Show me how voluntary exchange is causing this problem. I agree with you that regulation, over-regulation, mm-hmm. has created certain issues. And right. yes, that's a conversation we could have. Okay. We're not going to pick that apart right. right now. I do agree with that in so many ways. Okay. Right? What I'm always... You're always like, okay, well... Give me examples right now. I yeah. Mean, do I have anything off, t- off the top of my head? No. What I'm always going to come back to, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're going to argue to me that capitalism yeah. isn't parasitic, I'm, yeah. gonna, <clears throat> I'm always going to point to Bhopal, right? Okay. That is the, that is always going to be my go-to, right? Okay. You know, f- that was, okay, well, we're not going to keep up any safety standards here. We don't give a shit. We're going to save money. <laughs> By running a substandard operation here, and who cares about the consequences? I, I, the consequences, and it's that's an example okay. of the thinking of ca- sure. capitalism. Okay, right? now so now, there's plenty of examples of that now, uh, throughout the history. I'm of not sure there is. Here's 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 where I see is Coal the problem. Mining we, disasters. We, we've got we've got an we've got a, an environment, business mm-hmm. and government environment, where. And remember, as a libertarian, I hate crony capitalism, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so we've got it where we have distributed risks and concentrated benefits. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this is and and this is I'm I'm not arguing for the present capitalist system when I'm talking about capitalism. I'm not arguing for you. So we have this. Yeah. We have this thing: distributed risk, concentrated benefits, which is where our problem is. But what okay. created the structure? Mm-hmm. That create that gave us the environment of distributed risks and concentrated benefits, and my argument is, it's regulation, it's it's capture. Sure, yep. You know what? Like, okay, corporations are arguing in their interests for regulations that p- basically pull the ladder up behind them, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the crony capitalism. So I'm against the crony capitalism. Yeah. But so the my argument, I think Patty's argument is. That the regulatory frameworks we have now are, I guess, essentially corrupt. The the, the vast majority of the regulated, you know, especially especially in in economic regulation, or at least have a corrupting right. effect. Have, have a corrupting effect, right? And, no, I, I guarantee you they have a corrupting yeah, effect. Right. Okay. So, 
we're not arguing for the present system, but we are arguing that capitalism, that, okay, the, the present, I mean, everybody's talking about, you know, all the kids talk about the late stage capitalism now. It's just, it's not late stage capitalism. It's just crony capitalism. Yes. Right. And it's gone, it's gone too far and it's hurt. It's, it is hollowed out the middle class among other things. Right. And it, it's not the, and then, on this podcast, there are no univariate causes, so it's one of the causes of the hollowing yeah. of the middle class. I, I agree with you. Could, could okay. I also? Ask it's, it's good to hear that. Right. It's, it's good to Let hear. Let me know you when you're done, because I also want to ask a question. No, you, I think I think I'm pretty much I'm pretty much there. So, if capitalism caused the disaster of Bhopal, mm-hmm. would it not be a fair experiment to say, okay, if these things happen in the absence of capitalism? How do we know then that capitalism causes these disasters? Uh, like, uh, right. I, so, you know what? Do you, I, do you I, consider you know that an not, unfair question? I do. I, I Why? feel that's Why? Now, now I'm just playing chess with the devil. No, no, right? you're not. Yes, you're I, you I were saying am. A caused B. Capitalism causes environmental disasters because of the inherent nature, the the rootless, self-centered nature of capitalism. Right. Okay. Cool. So can we then make the logical deduction? That if we did not have a capitalist system, those kind of disasters would well, not happen. Of course not. Well, well I mean, why not? Uh, define that kind of disaster, right? I mean, disasters occur in all sorts of different ways, shapes, or forms. If you want to pick apart what happened at, at, at Bhopal, Bhopal, yeah, right? Is it down to one individual? Is it let's systematically? Sure. Union Carbide failed the people of Bhopal. They failed in their due diligence yep. and a whole, thousands of people yep. died as a yep. result of that. All yeah, right? totally. Sure. Okay. And that is not gross incompetence of one person. Okay. That is... Okay. Now, do, do, should we, do disasters occur elsewhere? In yes. non-capitalist economies? In, in, in For non-capitalist reasons? Absolutely. But it, listen, we've talked enough... No, all of our, We've talked reasons. enough in all of our podcasts... Yeah. About, you know, negatively about the human condition and, you know, like how human beings are, you know, the the negative aspects and Mm -hmm. and the positive aspects and greed and selfishness are definitely part of it. Right. Right. Sure. When you make a movie like Wall Street and you present an overblown stereotypical stereotypical character like uh, uh, Gordon Gecko. Yeah. And he says greed is good. I mean, yes, we're talking in an extreme stereotypical sense, but that is one element of humanity and capitalism does encompass that all right and, so okay, there's no way that you're you telling me that, that it cannot exist without capitalism you're saying greed doesn't exist outside of capitalism? that is not my argument my argument is that you cannot tell me that capitalism cannot be parasitic it is by its very nature parasitic i am telling you exactly that that it cannot be voluntary exchange which you're putting it too much. Not be parasitic. It can't. You're putting too much on the term voluntary. No, right? I'm voluntary. Putting everything on the term voluntary. Voluntary is completely contextual. Contextual. Yes. yes. Right. So. No. No. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. No. Absolutely. It is not contextual. Voluntary if, is a very plain, matter-of-fact statement that cannot be nuanced. It cannot be grayed. Bullshit. You either choose to do it or you don't. 
If you do not choose to it, that is not voluntary. If there is a gun to your head, if you are coerced, if you are pushed into those circumstances, that's not voluntary. Finish? Sure. All right. If, but if are you hearing what I'm saying? If, or are you just thinking about what you're going to say next? If the only employment available right. in a geographical area is a coal mine. Right. And the operators of that coal mine are the only viable employment. And you need to feed yourself, let alone a wife and family. And that coal miner is saying, I'm going to pay two bucks an hour, again, mm -hmm. using extremes. Yep. Take it or leave it, right? You've, you got, know, options. That, You've got options. Uh, yeah. You do have options. What do people oh. do? What did people do in the coal mines in 1740? They worked the coal mines. Or they left. Yeah, you can leave. Okay? You can, you can thumb a lift to the nearest recruiting station. You thumb a lift. Or you can... You left. Or just leave the geography. You migrated. Or you leave Syria. And Kevin, you get Kevin on a Williams has written a whole book on this yeah. about how people who are stuck yeah. in Appalachia can't make any money should move. Yeah. Like or, in the modern... Like these... People dealt with these things prior to the modern welfare state. These problems existed in the prior 30s. to the develop the, the creation of socialism. Well, I mean, the, the, great, the great migration out of the Dust Bowl to California in the 1930s, right? Like, the, or the great migration out of the American Southeast. Uh, out of the, the American North. Southeast, yeah, to, to yeah. escape Jim Crow. Wait, to, wait, we're talking the 30s. Yeah. People are riding the rails looking for jobs and they're coming to jurisdictions. They made it work. The signs. Yeah. Well, I'm betting they a thought, lot of them died. Shh. A lot of right? people died all the time. That's yeah, people <laughs> die. That's kind of what they do. Sooner or later, fuck. That's the most cynical and inappropriate <sighs> thing to be saying. Well, yes, people you're, die. You're kind of making a you're kind of making a hollow argument. Ah, you're, fucking, you're trying to create you're trying to create this idea the that airplane crashed into the twin towers, but people die. But that's okay because people die. Systems where people have no choice. These are theoretical constructs that do not exist in the real world. They bullshit. don't. I'm sorry. They I, don't. Bullshit. You're they, telling me employers people, people dictating, can, dictating the amount of money they are going to pay does not, it is not a form of coercion. It is not a no, form of power. You're not hearing what we're saying, man. That is we're exactly what you're telling that, me. No, that's not. You're saying that working in this coal mine for two bucks an hour is the only option this guy has. I'm saying, no, that situation never exists. Well, fuck it. It never exists. Fuck it. Now no, you can no, have. No, here's. You can have, I'm, I'm going to use choices use, you don't I'm gonna go like. With, I'm going to go with what you got. Okay, right? that never exists. Let's let's say the people of Ethiopia. Fuck it. You're starving, right? Nothing for you to survive there. There's yep. absolutely nothing for the uh, a, a good chunk of the people of Ethiopia okay. to to survive on. Okay. All right. You got options. Go somewhere else. Oh, where are you going to go? Well, no one else wants you. Right? So Can't get on do? a boat to, to Italy. So uh, what did they do? They fucking die. No, they left. They still migrate. People still move. Or they rise up in arms and overthrow the system that oppresses them. You're creating, you're trying to base policy on a theoretical construct that doesn't exist in the real I'm world. I'm not talking about theoretical construct. You I'm talking are. about the, you, well, basically what we're beating our heads on is. Mm. You're saying that choice is choice. And I'm saying, and you're saying no one is ever forced to do anything. I'm calling bullshit. 
I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if you force someone into something, you can't call that capitalism. Any more than I can call that, well, actually, I could call that socialism. But you cannot take a situation like Bhopal and say, well, that's capitalism that did that. That's when yeah. that still happens outside of capital, when a non capitalist systems have the exact same Ugh. death toll. You're, what, you're telling me that Magnitogorsk in the Soviet Union, that, that wasn't an environmental disaster driven by greed and individual self-gain? Or Chernobyl. Or Chernobyl. Or Bitterfeld. Or Daravaza. Or any of the, the three gorges you're, down. You're right. You're right. I give up. Capitalism is spotless and fucking only, only shitty things happen outside of capitalism. Only capitalism no, has cap, many no, flaws. Capitalism is gold. It has no it's flaws It's just better whatsoever. than I your mean, alternatives. I give, I give up. I give up. Well, because like, literally, you, I'm banging well, my head you against should. you. You should, because you can't win this argument. This is an unwinnable argument you're trying to make. It's unwinnable. You may as well tell me day is night, night is day. No. Capitalism, or the winter's warm. Capitalists are all very, very good people, and they very, very much care about humanity, and they don't care about money uh, only and profits. Sarcasm. Blah, 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 the blah, last blah. resort. Well, I mean, that's, that's where it gets to. You know, like... You're trying to blame capitalism for things that have nothing to do with capitalism. Capitalism can be ugly, ugly, ugly. And that's one thing that is just sure. not being admitted okay. around this sure. table. Right? I'll admit, I will admit that it can be ugly. I don't think anyone would ever dispute that You've it been can disputing be ugly. it this whole time. You're, no. You're speaking in absolutes. No. You're coming to me and you're saying... The you're, root of this is that you said the, on, the root of this is that the only people who profit in capitalism are shareholders. No, I did not say that. You did say that. You did. I can rewind the tape. <laughs> I'd, no. Okay. If, if that's you not want what to you rewind meant, the tape, if, if that's not what you meant, the, what you said, here's your opportunity to clarify. What you said was capitalism drives wealth for everyone. And I yes. am saying, Creates no, wealth. it Creates does wealth. not create wealth for everyone. You cannot tell me that the person who is making... It does, Minimum it, wage and living on the poverty line is, you cannot call that wealth. All right? Yes, you can. Because we're using wealth as a term. It, how am yeah. I trying to say it? Wealth. No, wealth okay. Money. Okay, okay. If okay. I give you money, if, you have wealth. If, if it's wealth. If yeah. I give you a dollar or if I give you $100,000, it's different levels of wealth. All right. Okay. Yeah. Now we're but splitting, wealth. Now we're but splitting still hairs wealth. again. Okay. No, no. We're being specific. Because we're, try, we're, trying, we're trying to clarify the terminology yeah. here. Yeah. Right. Capitalism creates wealth. So McDonald's creates wealth for the people who work at McDonald's. So if you're the 14-year-old kid yep. flipping burgers or running the burger robot machine now, yep. you have more money than if you didn't work at McDonald's because your parents don't give you an allowance. Okay, that's yeah. wealth. Is it a lot of wealth? No. no it's still wealth. Okay. So that's what we're Is trying to That's how we're trying to use share the term. of the wealth? Is it the dominant portion of the wealth? No. And again, still creates it though. Still creates it. Right. We're talking about the definition of the word wealth here. All right. Wealth versus wealthy, let's okay. say. Okay. Go on. Wealth. Let's try wealth versus riches. Wealth versus... Yeah. Or you're talking about the, the dominant share of the wealth. Uh, that's... 
You're saying disproportionate distribution of, yeah. or not disproportionate? Uh, no, because now we're, we're going to get into the concept of redistribution of wealth. I'm, I'm, asking, not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm not taking the conversation. All I'm there. asking from you but I just want, is I, just, I want to understand what you are saying. I think the concept of wealth in this context, is, yeah. and it's good that we're clarifying it yeah. here. To me, wealth means something positive. All right? Like, you know, more, more than positive. All right? It's... It's so not just monetary. Yeah, it, it's primarily monetary, but not exclusively monetary. It indicates a certain level of comfort in life, right? So I think that's okay. that's. Keep going. Keep but going. It, it's good that we've clarified okay. at this point. Okay, so we we can substitute a word, or we can just agree that okay, what you guys meant by wealth is not what I meant so, by wealth so in pushing back against. Can, can we it. say then that capitalism creates income? For everyone involved well, there, in the transaction. There you go. So that, that would work for you? Yes. That okay. terminal creates income. Because because can, can we work with that? I think I, we can yeah, work. I guess we could, yeah. I yeah. think that yeah. okay, so that's where we get stuck up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, that's where the log jam occurred. Okay. Because because then we then now we can start debating, okay, income. Is that income sufficient? Because you right, having gone yes. through the calculations, because yes. because one thing we haven't that. said anything here about capitalism creating equitable distribution of income. Yes, right. We have. We not. just said it creates income for everyone yes. involved. Yeah. Right. Would, we're not saying everyone gets I the same. I could amount. not effectively give you a defense. Uh, I could not effectively dispute that statement. Right. That capitalism does not create an uh, uh, equitable distribution of income. And frankly, I don't have the energy to go down that route. Today. Well, I mean, all you'd have to say is just like. Well, look at the world around us. We're not Again, we're, we're not going to argue yeah, the point that, that it's that it's that would be an example of yeah, an but, argument I could not possibly win. Yeah, but then we get into the moral and ethical debate that we always do when it comes to this concept. Oh, all that aside, just pure fact. Yeah, I could not possibly I could not possibly win that argument if I tried to say that no capitalism does give an equitable distribution. I I couldn't I couldn't. Well, I'll actually argue for you in that. I mean, it depends. You know, there's always going to be a disproportion, or well, there's always going to be a, yeah, a, like the, different the categories of earning, right? The concept of equitable when it comes to mm-hmm. the distribution of wealth is a very, very complex one. Well, true, because right. it's a subjective definition. Yeah. What is equitable, equitable to you wouldn't say be equitable to say somebody else, the guy down the street, right? Right. And also, it depends on what we consider to be wealth. For example, while while you were talking about income, I was thinking. Sometimes people take jobs for the experience it's going to give them. They take a pay cut because they say, hey, I want to get in on the ground floor of this opportunity. I think it's going to be something better down the road or I just need this to pad my resume. I'm only going to do this for a couple of years. Then I'm pulling pin and I'm going somewhere else because there's a better job that I want, but I feel I need this on my resume before I could be considered for that. So did you get experience from that job? Yes. Is that income? No. Is it wealth? I think you could say that. I mean, I mean there's literally yeah. the, the, the term that is wealth of experience, right? I mean, yeah, there you go. There you go. But that'll serve yeah. you down the road. I remember back in the 90s, the terminology, and this was coming out of the environmental movement, um, that was saying that someone, the difference between rich and wealthy was rich had money, mm-hmm. wealthy had land. 
you know, like being a, a farmer in the center, center of this province that had mm-hmm. a substantial amount of land, that was wealth because that would perpetuate itself over mm. time, right? You, you would always have that. Your family would always have yeah. that. And that's, that's an asset that is a hard asset. Yeah, yeah. It's very distinct from money itself, right? So that very traditional view too. Very traditional view. Um, yeah, and kind of, kind of a feudal, feudal yes, view, right? Yes. An agrarian view, kind of. Yes. When, but, when, but when you consider that how um, the neo, like uh, I would say the America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, they were founded by people who did not have land that's and were true. forever yeah, denied. Yeah, they were never going to get it, right? Yeah. Especially within the UK, basically everything was owned by some level of aristocracy, yeah. every piece of Europe. property, right? Yep. Every, yeah, every square inch was owned by somebody else, and you would never get it. But so, this, so if you had enough money to escape the system, you did. You did. Yeah. But the actuality of it, you know, up until recently, yeah. and, and that, that was that, that was the promise of the new world as well was land. Land. Yeah. yeah. Right. And you could grow stuff. You yeah. Know, well, like, yeah. So that, that, that that's the wealth. Like you could yeah. sell it. You yep. could grow stuff. You could. Yep. You could graze. You, you can exploit cattle. it. You can mine it. Yep. You explode it. Mine it. So and you'd get some. That's where the wealth is. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, the idea as compared to just liquidity yeah. here today, gone tomorrow. The other thing is inflation is probably not going to di- uh, dilute or reduce the value of your land. Exactly. Well, Whereas inflation, if you have a million dollars in the bank, it will whittle down to nothing with inflation. So yeah, that, yeah. that's I think that's probably the the but, prime yeah. driving. Yeah. Some uh, places quicker than others. Difference. Some places quicker than others. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a bank account in Zimbabwean dollars. Didn't didn't, do didn't well. work out so well. Everybody's a millionaire. Hooray! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. How much is the price of bread? Uh, one hundred and thirty-five million bucks. On the on this talk, there's something I, I do want to get from you guys before before we adjourn. Uh, with regard to this Oliver Anthony song, mm-hmm. not just the content, but what do you guys think about how it suddenly leapt into the consciousness of people completely? bypassing the usual method uh, that a recording artist must take. Well, I mean, this, that's that's the nature of the TikTok world. Yeah. This right? guy that's, didn't perform in any bars. No. This guy didn't go on tour. This nope. guy didn't sign a deal with a small independent record label and then get discovered by a, a nope. radio station in Huntsville, Alabama. <clears throat> it was... It, he was, probably shared yeah. with friends who shared yeah. with friends who shared no, with friends it was, and it, it just was, got out there, right? You know, yeah. that's it's it's the message. Now, I understand yeah. that that's what he was doing, it, that he would put shit, his own stuff on YouTube yeah. and nobody noticed Well, this Well, he has his own channel because you can see here, yeah. like, I've got the yeah. screen up. He's got his own channel, all over yeah. Anthony Music News. But it was actually, it blew up on this Radio West Virginia channel. Yeah. And it blew up on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, I understand that that's what it did, yeah. Yeah. So there, there's uh, and uh, so that's what we're talking about. The people were understanding, not understanding how it got went viral. A country stuff. music artist on this on this point, um, who is just was today was a guest performing in studio on the biggest single country countdown music show in America, and she got discovered. Now she is the last person that you would think would be a successful country music artist. She is an out lesbian. Um, dresses like a lesbian like you look at it there is no doubt everything that you think would not be successful in country and she does not change the pronouns in her song she's her her tune that she released on TikTok which got 55 million views I think was the latest number I saw which launched her career Um, does not change the pronouns 
she's uh, the song was written by a previous relationship that she had where she had heard that her ex was portraying her within their circle of friends as kind of the villain behind it. Mm-hmm. The cause of the breakup, so that hence the name of the tune, Villain. She's very clearly singing to a woman in this, in this song. Right. So it goes against all the things that we thought were um, orthodoxy for country music success. Now that you can't be openly gay. You can't, you know, you can't be an open lesbian in this. Yet this her there's no denying her what's really struck me when i heard it is her ability as a guitarist you know you when you hear someone performing in studio you can hear string whisper mm-hmm. you know like no man she was bang on uh her voice was was uh i would say comparable in in power and depth to it reminded me kind of of a melissa etheridge okay but heavily accented now you're uh, like a southern yourself. southern accent, but that uh, a singer of that kind of power, um, she reminded me of that. But superb instrumenta- uh, instrumentalist, superb. And uh, the host even said, "Okay, for anyone who's asking or thinking, I did not just press play on a recording. That was live. So this is another example, similar to Oliver Anthony, of an artist who has completely." bypassed the traditional structure of how music popular music reaches an audience well i was going to say because you know it'd be interesting to find out find out how many of those uh 55 million Mm -hmm. are actual country music country music fans because probably not right well it probably went out through a number of yeah uh, a number of uh different channels and hashtags and stuff that got picked up there's, there's a good chance a lot of them are country music fans. Well, the easy answer is enough for country music fans mm-hmm. because she has now signed with a country music label mm-hmm. and she is performing at country music venues. The song is 100% country. It's, yeah. it's definitely would not get... I mean, it might get radio play and pop, but it's, it's not that structure. And she's now performing... At country music venues, and yeah, this is what this is what she is desired, sort of thing. Well, I, I think we've reached the point. I mean, because there, there have been a couple of things come up in the last month or so. I think where there's a couple of more traditional male country artists mm-hmm. have said or done things that have actually been against the grain of establishment thought. I or, think or current are progressivism. You about Jason Aldean I th- and his yeah, song think, yeah, "Try I, That in a Small Town." Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's so that's, that's one. But I think that, there was example. another example. I, I, but that's definitely the very timely one of them, example, right? Yeah. Um, which is it, unfortunate because it, there's actually a, a Jason Aldean song I like mm-hmm. um, about getting her done. I can't remember what, what the couldn't tell you the the song title was called, but it's 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 basically about yeah. you know coming from grassroots like right. that, you know, just. Just working hard yep. until the day is done and yep. stuff like that. And it's a song but that it's, really resonates it's, it's with It's a me, timely right? example, or it's a, a very uh, prescient example. Yeah. Because he has been barred from all of the conventional channels of how, like, you're not going to hear that song on any radio station. Yeah, It's not going to be, it's it's not, it's been barred by what, Spotify is banded. No, has uh, it? Yeah, like a lot, all the mainstream channels says, no, we're not playing this tune. Oh, wow. But... It's the best thing that ever happened to Jason Aldean. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The I mean, hands full effect. Oh, hands down. Well, and so he's doubling down on it. He's saying, "Yeah, I'm not backing away from that tune." And his audience has responded in spite of establishment sanction. Yeah. Well, of course they have. Yeah, I, right. You know, because that message is going to resonate with some with people, that audience, right? yes. with a lot of that audience. Yeah. I was uh, listening to uh, uh, Barry Weiss's podcast earlier this week, and he was doing. Uh, they were doing a, just like a roundup of the, mm-hmm. of the Republican uh, debate. Yeah. But uh, one of their guests was uh, Batya Unger Sargon, who is an avowed Marxist. Mm-hmm. Though seems like a very nice person. I've heard her on a number of podcasts. That would be interesting to wow, get a Marxist's impression. Yeah. A Marxist is a nice person. Of course. Well, well, no. She, but she's also... She's also they, uh, they are kind of rare. She's also yeah. online editor for Newsweek. Okay. I think as well. I'm oh. surprised that Newsweek still exists as an as an, as an enterprise. Oh, I'm surprised that Marxism actually exists still. But anyway, yeah, she, she is she is she's an avowed. But she was yeah. um, she's very like if, if you listen to her and don't mm-hmm. know that she's an avowed Marxist, you you would never get it. Like I thought, you know, it was like she's not all really libertarian here. But anyway. one mm-hmm. of the things she was saying is that she she hates the progressive left. She can't stand them, mm-hmm. and. Uh, like but the modern woke, the, mo- the modern woke progressive okay. left, yeah, not not necessarily. Well, so she's know. old school, yeah. Like so, like when we say Marxist, we're talking say seventies, fifties. Well, no, the way Probably, he's she's she's, she's she's young though. She's at her, he's sad, she's yeah, her but she's thing. still thinking along. She would yeah. she would have more intellectually or philosophically in common. Well, no, he just, I, he just said she sounded libertarian, right? So she, that sounds she, like she, my if you kind don't, of Marxism. Like, if you don't know that she's going, she's going Marxist, like she's she doesn't talk, like she's. So maybe she doesn't really know what the hell Marxism is. No, I think she does. She's pretty smart, but she doesn't. Like, she doesn't talk represent. She doesn't like. I'm a Marxist. I'm a Marxist. I'm a Marxist. Just if you ask her, she like goes, like Richard Wolff, for example. Yeah. Okay. She sounds like an anarcho syndicalist, which is a contradiction in terms. Anyway. We're, we're getting going, away. We, but she, had her, had point, her point was... Um, Steve's uh, going somewhere with this. Her, her okay. point was is that she's like, look, middle America, flyover country, the mm-hmm. average American, mm-hmm. it's vastly more tolerant and inclusive than the progressive left gives them credit for. Mm-hmm. And, so, more, and more the progressive left right now is. Yes. Themselves. Right. So, so she's, she's saying that as an explanation of how... how this this person this lesbian woman could could find an audience find an audience in what would traditionally be considered yeah. a very conservative the land of the deplorables yeah, yeah. in the land of the deplorables and it's just that the, the 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 progressive elites just don't understand right where where the middle is or who right? they who these people really who are. they are and what yeah. they th- what they actually yeah. believe right yes so that that's that's just the point I had it's just mm. like, fair enough so. yeah. I would a, say that was a good point, Steve. I would say that American, and I'm going to specify American, American audiences, be it of music, be it of film, be it of theater, be it of, of television, yeah. are far more intelligent and far more sophisticated than either Nashville, New York, Los Angeles, or Hollywood mm-hmm. ever gave them credit for being. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, right? That conventional wisdom within well, the, the 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 arts and, and and even Peterson Peterson makes this Jordan Peterson makes this point. I've heard it made up a couple mm-hmm. times this week as well. Is just that you know like the podcast medium put lie to the fact of, of yeah. the the three second soundbite or the yes. three second soundbite right yes that the mainstream media has always been oh people are too stupid to get more than exactly this, yep. this little sliver of information and then 
Joe Rogan comes along and, and, yeah. and does 12 hours of the podcasting. The long-form podcast and blows... Yeah, blows that out of the water. Yeah, exactly. Blows that out of the And has a large... Yeah, like Rogan has a larger audience than any mainstream media source in... Yeah. In, yeah, in, I would 100%. In, in the Western I would, world. I would 100% agree. Right? So... That the gatekeepers to these art forms uh, are now... Yeah. They got to be really worried. <laughs> you know, because it's... You know, the artists like, like Rose and Oliver... Yeah. Show that they are really not needed. They add no value to the relationship between an artist and their audience. Yeah. At least where music is concerned. Yeah. Another interesting. Um, there's a guy named Rob Long. He's on. A, he mm-hmm. does. He's he's a writer mm-hmm. in in uh, like a, a TV show writer and showrunner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's best known for. He ran Cheers for probably the last three or four years of his existence. Okay, right. Uh, he didn't create Cheers, but he ended up being the showrunner yeah. towards the end. He came in into the writers' room yeah. about the middle of the series, and then by the yeah. end, he was he was running the whole thing. Right. He's done a bunch of other stuff. He's of course presently on strike because all the writers are. Strike, I was gonna. I, that was the very next thing I wanted to bring up. But he's been on a and, and he, but he also does. He's a conservative guy. He does a podcast, a monthly podcast with uh, Jonah Goldberg and John Podhoritz. Jonah oh, Goldberg oh. from the, and they call it Glob Culture. It's a very great podcast. I I'll have to get you to send me a link on that. Yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah, they do. Uh, um, so they do more. They do less politics. They mm-hmm. do some politics because they can't help it. But they do more culture stuff because they're yeah. they're all culture nerds too. But um, he's been on a couple podcasts uh, lately, and, and he was talking about the strike, mm-hmm. and he's talking about how, like, like, the writers, there's some things that the writers are asking for that, yeah, they should be, and he's, like, he's happy because the Writers Guild is actually, typically, the Writers Guild has only been looking after, like, the top, the people who are in his space in the showrunner, yeah. high-end producer. The very successful. The very successful space. Yeah. But in this strike, the Writers Guild is actually trying to look out for journeyman writers and mm-hmm. people who are like, you know, they get one. Because there's a big problem of, is in the, especially in the streaming environment, that writers, you know, they'll get, they'll get contracted to a show, right? Yeah. So they'll do 10 episodes, you know, uh, a, a write, write a show for 10 episodes for a streamer. And then, uh, you know, and they'll get like 80 grand of that, 80 grand for that. Because it's only yep. like... Yep. And it was just pretty good money because it's like two months work. Yeah. But then 20 points goes to their agent. Yeah. Half and half. And that's before the half or half goes to taxes first and yeah. 20 points goes to the agent. And then, yeah. so then at the end, the they're, time they're, the they're end left with 30 yeah. grand. And then the streamer locks them in yeah. for uh, a, yeah. a potential second season. So then they can't go work for anybody else. Right. So now they're hungry. Like, made, okay, you made a bunch of money right now. And you're yep. good for probably three months, but you're locked in for a year. Yep. You can't work right. So now they're going to, they're doing all the doing other, the, yeah, under right? the table stuff or working as a yeah. waiter. Or, yeah. So, so, and long he makes this joke about like the best thing that can happen you, you in Hollywood is you go to Hollywood, and you make a success, you mm-hmm. be a success. The second best thing that can happen to you is you go to Hollywood and you're a complete failure and yeah. you leave. And you leave. The worst yeah. thing that can happen to you to Hollywood is you go to Hollywood and you. Have a just list. You get a taste. Through. You get a taste, yeah. and you muddle through, and you keep muddling through, and you keep muddling yeah. through. But and, and then another one of his arguments is that is uh, like the streamers are uh, the the high the high ranking executives the 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 was it the Bob Bob Iger's and that yeah they've they've destroyed the entertainment industry that Netflix 
Yeah. Should have only been in content distribution. They should never started producing. Yeah. Disney shouldn't have bought up all the all the intellectual properties and then started yeah. doing streaming production. The, the vertical integration yeah. that, that's come into Hollywood was actually yeah. has killed it. It was better when it was one guy was making content and trying to sell it. You know, like yeah. people are writing scripts on spec, scripts get made. We try and sell them, right? Yeah. Netflix was worried about, oh, nobody's gonna sell us sell us anything. And his point his point yeah. is the best the highest rated show on Netflix all summer in the United States has been Suits, which mm-hmm. was not yeah. Netflix original content. It was produced by yeah. USA Network, a cable network. And they it's a decade it. old yeah. show yeah. and Netflix picked it up long after it went off yeah. the air. And that is the best. So Netflix could have always got content yeah. where they wanted. And he sees like the industry, the industry was working better when everybody had everybody had their hands in everybody else's pockets. Yeah. Right. And, was, and, and it wasn't all this yeah. vertical integration. It well, let a thousand flowers bloom, right? Right. Yeah. And yeah. so this, this, and this amalgamation is, has been bad. And it's, that is always a big sign uh, uh, that an industry is not healthy. Right. right. It's so, a market failure. So when, yeah. So when, like when big companies, when GM or when Mercedes, actually when, when, when Chrysler and Mercedes merged, it became Daimler Chrysler. Yep. That was a bad thing. And then it was really, it was instantly a bad thing because Mercedes realized the mistake right off the hop yeah, and got yeah, rid of it. Yeah. And then, and now there's this giant Uber auto corporation called Stellantis, which yeah. is Chrysler and Fiat it's, and yeah. a couple of the French manufacturers and I yeah. think Nissan. And it's just as, as Stellantis now, right? Yeah. And then, you know, and then Volvo, you know, or you go into the, uh, into the, into the heavy truck market, you know, Volvo owns Mac and, yeah. and uh, Volkswagen owns International Harvester and, yeah. and Mercedes owns Freightliner, Weapons, Western Star. And so there's yeah. all this big conglomeration. The only like independent Heavy truck duty truck manu- uh, manufacturers is is, uh, is Packard, which owns uh, Kenworth and Peterbilt, and yeah. basically always has. Yeah, and uh, it owns DAF in Europe, yeah. right? But it's just you know. Or look at concrete. Yeah, they're inland, they're inland or Lafarge or Heidelberg Group. Or Heidel- and yeah, Heidelberg and uh, um, the Holson Group. Yeah, and it's all this amalgamation. <clears throat> Everything gets yep. bigger and bigger in these companies, and then they're too big to fail. Yeah, right. Well, that's what that's what governments tell us. Right. Yeah. When actually. Letting them fail was probably the best thing was that would have happened thing. to us. Yeah, absolutely. There'd be there'd be like twenty one difficult days for everyone. Yeah, and then things would recover. Yeah. So, I want to talk to you about. No, I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> the writer strike. What do you think? The whole concept of AI, and how or let let me preface this. Um, we thought maybe this maybe this leads to another episode. Um. We have traditionally thought that AI would replace blue-collar jobs, that it would replace the welders, the technicians, and electricians. And we're finding now that actually it's the white-collar elite that is in real danger with AI. It's the lawyers, the accountants, the writers, the, the artistic creatives now, that think, are... I think- Easily more easy to replace. That's horrible grammar. Are more easily replaced by AI than the guy who installs your sink. I don't see lawyers being that easy to replace. Accountants for sure, because that's pure math. There, um, well, there, there's a software they, I, package that they are experimenting with. Uh, I guess uh, like the vast majority of corporate law is done by precedent, and it never even gets to court. Hmm. You hire your lawyer, and you go to him, and you say, "Okay, this is the situation." Um, I sold a product to this guy. This guy did this. Now he wants to sue me. 
should I take this to court or should I settle out of court? And if I settle out of court, what's, what am I looking at? And your lawyer charges you 300 bucks an hour to research that. Mm-hmm. Well, now this software program can instantly go through all of this case law and say you have a 72% chance of this outcome. You have a 7% chance of this outcome. 3%, I can. so they're saying this could replace. Why keep a lawyer on retention? If it's a less than $10,000 case, just get the software. Don't bother with the lawyer. But I mean, that would be I don't know how I practice. Having dealt with OpenAI mm-hmm. at this point, and it's a fascinating... You're talking and, and chat... Chat, chat GPT. GPT. We actually, yep, right. we were actually the last. I remember episode. you talking about that. Um, it, it is both terrifying and fascinating to deal with, mm-hmm. right? Having dealt with it, yes, you can get it to mm-hmm. do all sorts. Of, I can imagine it doing that, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily trust its accuracy hundred mm-hmm. yeah. percent in terms of that. But yeah, maybe, maybe you if see you it coming, you can see it coming. Yeah, I see. can see it coming. But of the things that you listed, I would, I would say. The creative side of things has been the biggest surprise for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it's fascinating and terrifying what you can plug into an AI engine these days and just tell me a fucking story. And yeah. it does. Mm-hmm. Well, because like prior to our last episode, last live episode, um, we and I, you and I were playing with that in here. Yeah. And I had to like write a short story about a guy, about a private detective in LA in yeah. the 1970s. You had to do this? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. We, while we were waiting for you to show. While we were, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so we printed this thing out. It was on the screen out. when you walked in. Yeah. And it, uh, but it didn't really, because um, actually Rob Long has talked about this in these podcasts as well, because the writers worry about it. He's like, if you're worried about AI as it is now, how bad a writer are you? Because this thing didn't write a story. It more, like, it, it wrote a script proposal really right. more than yeah. anything. Right? Gave you background. Yeah. But yeah. not that was a great background. It gave you it, you could tell it you pulled from this trope and this trope and this. Yeah, but that was, like, your it, was like, f- it was an agglomeration of tropes. That sure. was your first try at it. it, right? it you can, yeah. So no, I, I'm sure. Yeah, with more with more. Uh, what like, it does is whenever you give it an entry, it closes off with as if that was the end of an episode, or it gives you a yeah. description that that that's basically. And so so and so the private detective thought about. What just happened as he was driving his car down the road? Well, and I, I, I was walking in here, and I, and I told it, I, I told it that it was a. Uh, I think I said I mentioned that the private detective, like it was nineteen seventies, mm-hmm. and, and I mentioned that he had been a former marine, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So instantly he had PTSD from his time in Vietnam. <laughs> oh like, yeah, right? Like yeah. So yeah. I mean, like I said, it was like Trent said, it was I. It was, my my description was like was 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 two lines. So I mean, yeah. if I typed yeah. it in essay. It could maybe give me a novel I, back, right? Yeah, but. I, I've actually got. I've, I stopped doing this about a month ago, but and I haven't, I haven't played with it since then. So it's, I've is I've it got, an app or is it a website? It's, it's, a, it's, well, a, it's, it's a website. It's a oh, website, okay. Okay. right? Okay. But you create an account. I've got an eighty-page novel I've started writing. Yeah, I remember you saying and, and, the, the just, woman from yeah, Alexandra. Yeah, she was Alexandria, taking the train, train from Alexandria to Cairo, and it's just you know. Anyway, I won't tell you where it's at now, but. As far as the strike goes, I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about it. Sounds from what Steve mm-hmm. has described, it sounds like uh, I've got two thoughts. One is the way it was presented mm-hmm. sounds like a reasonable place for them to be going. Right? It's kind of like okay, let's take care of the little guy, right? 
um, because they're falling through the cracks. And it sounds like there's some problems they need to mm-hmm. iron out. Yeah. The other thought I have is we're going through a revolution. Um, actually, we're going through two of them simultaneously, I would say. We're going through the streaming revolution and now the AI revolution, mm-hmm. right? And that's what they're going to have to resolve. So we're going to come out the other end with something. This was probably something that was going to happen anyways. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if both sides were kind of looking at this going, expecting it to happen, and now they're just kind of having to do the dance. Can I tie a nice little bow on this and throw one more thing at you guys? How do you think this AI revolution and the possibility of it not eliminating jobs at the bottom on the technicians and the tradesmen, but eliminating jobs within the professional class, tie this back to NS Lyons' idea of the virtuals versus the physicals? Could there be a, a massive sea change I, in I, store for the virtuals? I, I, I think so. Yeah, I think the virtuals, it's, it's going to affect the virtuals that their societal dominance may be temporary and not as long as not as much longevity probably because I think a lot of more of their stuff can be done by the AIs in its current form right like an information uh, worker is the kind of person that software programmers are looking to unemploy I I was more afraid of being replaced by automation five years ago than I am now yes that's a perfect example right as a truck like, driver, because people yeah. were talking about like, oh, trucks will be automated really shortly. I, I believed then, it. Yeah, and yeah. so and so did I. And I was like, well, I, you know, I'll have to if I stay in the oil field, that'll be fine because there's all kinds of things in the oil field. Yeah. A truck driver has to do that, and yeah, I can't. Yeah, right. The truck. Yeah, like drive off road for one yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Or, or chains, exactly. tire chains, or tire chains, or tire You know, yeah. just simple tax. But, yeah. but but I've the way I've come to think about it is even if that truck can perfectly drive all on its own we are still going to want a live operator on board to hit that kill switch yep like for example we have a perfectly automated aircraft yeah all modern modern airliners are capable of flying the entire flight automatically yep they can take from take off the landing they can the only I i don't think they can taxi to the gate Yet. But we still which not is, only which they, is a bizarre yeah. concept because because yeah. what's yeah you'd think that would be the simplest yeah. part of it. But not only do we want pilots on that aircraft, we want as, two of them. As one yeah. oh yeah, as one guy said to me, um, that is the like when you open that door to the cockpit and you're boarding the plane and you look inside that cockpit, he said, I want to see gray hair in there. Yeah, experience counts. Yeah, I don't want to see a 25 year old sitting in either oh, one fuck of them. Yeah, seats, it's man. like walking into your doctor's <laughs> office oh, yeah, and having someone yeah, who's exactly. I don't want anyone who's younger than me, and yeah. I'm, I'm no spring yeah. chicken anymore. Yeah. I it want like, somebody oh. like experienced couch, right? And and that's a perfect example. The airplane can fly itself, but no, 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 no. <laughs> well, here's a frightening thought. What if you were aboard a plane and there is no cockpit anymore? They managed to squeeze 12 more seats in Yeah, exactly. Space, Are you flying like, on that side? I'm not going to do I'm sorry, man. I'm taking the train. No. Yeah. Yeah, when Ryanair rolls out, <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the Well, train. actually, yeah. I can see Ryanair being the last to do that because somehow they're making money already on the number of seats they've got on an airplane. Oh, yeah, they find right? ways. You know, they, so they, last they don't time need... I checked, I could have got a seat in a wheel well with friggin' Ryanair. Like, oh, my. I'm never flying with them ever again. I've never flown Ryanair, oh, but I flew... When I was, oh, when I was over awful. in 2019, I flew uh, Norwegian Air. Yep. And there was, an, fuck, I can't even remember what the other one was. It was like I Euro something yeah. or Air Europe of, or something. 
I, sorry, I just want to get into detail. So, like, I've never flown Ryanair, but I've yeah. flown some pretty miserable mainstream airline flights. Like, like the flight from from uh, Amman mm-hmm. to Frankfurt yeah. on Lufthansa yeah. was, was an exercise in misery. Oh yeah, they had one plane. It was a, a Airbus A three twenty one, so yeah. narrow body jet, yeah. uh, long narrow body jet, and three and three seats, right? So yeah. six wide and a narrow body, so single aisle down the middle. Yeah, right. And there's no first class. Yeah, nothing on that. It is three and three from the front to the back, same yeah. seats, right? Yeah. And that was always an exercise in misery. That plane, yeah, right. And it was usually full. Yeah, right. I mean, so, sometimes you get that. I mean, I flew from. So I'm just curious, like how bad, how much worse is Ryanair? Oh, I found I found Ryanair was was terrible in that um, you get this really cheap ticket, mm-hmm. but they hit you with all of these. Oh yeah. Fees. Oh yeah, but oh, yeah, yeah. they'll get you if you don't check in 24 hours in advance. Fee. Oh, really? If you are not there physically to check in at another time, fee. Uh, if you uh, if your baggage, they weigh everybody's bag, oh, and if it is one ounce over, yeah, fee, and it's a hefty fee. And then they have this little metal cage. Figure. Your carry on must fit inside of that, and if it doesn't, fee, fee. And then when when you sit in there, it is plastered with advertising, right? It's like you're you're two feet away from a European hockey player. It's like in all directions. There's advertising over everything. Interior service of the airplane. Every interior service of the airplane wow. has logos all over it. Um, you cannot buy or like there's there's no refreshment, no drink, no nothing. But you can buy it at exorbitant prices. Of course, it's it's crazy. And I didn't find it was narrower than most other seats. But definitely, they've crammed in a couple of, of Extra rows. rows. Yeah, like you're you're definitely tucked in. It's tight. Thankfully, it's Europe though, and like I haven't, like I said, yeah. I haven't flown Ryanair, but I've flown Norwegian Air yeah. and, and another one yeah. I can't even remember the name of from from Hamburg to Gatwick, and then Gatwick yeah. was Norwegian Air to Gothenburg, and then yeah, back to Amsterdam. Hamburg to Gatwick, you spend more time on the ground than you did in the air. Eh? Probably. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. To get one, yeah. Yeah. Now I I hated it. I thought it sucked. Yeah. I thought it was. I just hated feeling but, that I had to jump through all of these hoops to avoid getting hit with other fees. Yeah. Um, that said, and like I said to other people, I'm never flying Ryanair again. I yeah. thought it was absolutely miserable. But I know many people, many of my European friends, who said, "Oh no, they number one, they're used to it. Mm-hmm. They fly Gat or they fly Ryanair all the time, and they're very." Def- they defend it vociferously because like say they're students or whatever they say look if it weren't for that i wouldn't be able to go i wouldn't be able to go home well then they got a point right not yeah. just not just yeah. that economical <clears throat> energy is, you just you just want yep. to pay for a nicer experience right you just yep. didn't, like, yeah exactly right? i am i am willing to pay more for that but yeah these guys if it was if it wasn't for ryanair they would be stuck on campus during christmas holidays yeah well that's and so okay fair enough that's what i felt like i said you know i was I was in Europe on business, flew into Amsterdam, drove to Hamburg, mm-hmm. and now I've decided I'm in Europe. Uh, I got a kid living in Gothenburg. Yep. I'm going to stay an extra week and a half. Yeah. Right? But in the meantime, it's Friday. Yep. I'm going to visit Buddy in London. Yep. Um, and so it was, it was the convenience. Yep. And a lot of those lessons that you know, you're talking about, you learn them once. Yep. Right? And at least they're short flights. So... Next time, what killed me was my work boots. I had steel-toed work boots in my mm. luggage, right? That was the difference between 20 kilos and 25 kilos. Yeah. And... Those are heavy work boots. 
Why did you have well, work boots on your vacation? Because I was on I was on a work trip, right? Oh, so I was out gotcha. on an industrial yep. site in gotcha. Hamburg. Uh, gotcha. I needed my work boots, right? You would, yes. Um, so that was different. So now I'm paying fifty pounds. I, I, yeah. I have I have a question. Yeah. Is it cheaper to was it more expensive to to pay the extra for luggage, or would it have been cheaper to just buy a pair of work boots once you got to Europe? Uh, that's a very good question. That is a good question. But how much, how much is my time worth, right? You know, where am I going to go? Well, I was, I, I was staying in a hotel in the outskirts of That's of factored, in, that's factored yeah. into the cost. Yeah. But, right. and again, it's not something you thought about when you bought the damn ticket. No. Yeah. Exactly. You, you, you don't, well, because like that's how they, they ambush you. Yeah. You've already bought the ticket. So now they, they, they work on the sunken costs fallacy. Right. That instead of saying, oh, okay, I paid a hundred bucks for this ticket. Now you're charging me 50 bucks for this bag. You're probably going to tag me with a couple other things because I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah, maybe I should just walk away at this point. Yeah. So, but we don't. We but here's the thing: I've already spent hundred bucks on the ticket. My original flight to Amsterdam was on KLM. That wasn't an issue. No. Yeah. Right. The weight of my luggage was not an issue. No, of course it not. was only once I was using the pre the discount airlines. Discount yeah. airlines. Yeah. yeah. You know, now I'm like, okay, now what am I doing? Yeah. Now. Yeah. I could have left those boots behind. You're yeah. right. You know, because I was done business. I spent. 11 yeah. days carting those fuckers around when I didn't need to. Yeah. But Anyways, that's, that's... I know. Because it yeah. went the other way. We went... Uh, after my mom died, my dad decided to take my sister and, and me and then a couple mm-hmm. of my sisters, a couple of my nieces, uh, to France. Mm-hmm. And we went... And so I show up at the airport because we're going for 14 days. Mm-hmm. So I have like a roller suitcase that I've always used for work gear, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it's a it's a, a, a North Face bag or... Yeah, something whatever. like that. Yeah. You know, heavy... So I show up at the airport with a backpack and my North Face bag. Yeah. And everyone else is like, you brought luggage? I'm like, we're going for two weeks. Yeah. yeah. I'm well, not washing underwear every what two What were th- they doing? They had carry-ons for everything. I'm like, I've got like, wow. You know, I, I brought, did I bring my, I didn't think I brought my Chromebook. I just brought my tablet. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, br- I bring electronics. I bring stuff yeah, in my yeah, carry-on, yeah. books in my carry-on. Yeah. And, you know, and and like a, a, one change of clothes in the carry-on mm-hmm. in case the luggage yeah. goes away. Yeah. But. We're going for two weeks, and I'm not bringing. Yeah. Like, I'm not washing underwear every three days. How, yeah, I'm just not doing that. How long ago was this? Uh, seven years ago. Okay. So, all right. So you're we, a we grown-ass, mature human being at this point. Yeah. 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 I'm 48 now. I was 41 yeah. or 40 at the time. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's not like you're a kid. A kid. Yeah. 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 But my dad was just. I mean, my dad is the guy who will leap over a dollar to save this. Yeah. Yeah. Penny, right. Like we've had this conversation before, yeah. but. But it's just like, come on, man! And we flew, uh, like, what's the what's the, the tourist the tourist airline? I can't remember. That's always chartered. Um, uh, Transat. Yeah, we flew yeah. Transat, right? So of course, there's gonna be a fee for my check-in bag. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. I got yeah. a visa. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah, some things are worth it. I'm bringing all my underwear and all my socks with me. Yeah. No, that's. I mean, again, that's why I liked about it. It was just the convenience. I showed up at, on a Friday at the airport in Hamburg, uh, and I was like, I want to fly to London. Yep. What do you got for me? Yeah. 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 So sign here. You know, pay and, this much. And yeah. Ryanair is still in business. Yeah. And know what not doing. only are they still in business, but there's a variety of copycats that have sprung up since they well, started that's doing Because yep. I yep. took two of them. So right? obviously what they're doing is meeting a need. Yep. Unfortunately, our air environment doesn't allow that. We don't have the open skies that Europe does. Well, no, they've got so many destinations so close together. Well, right? also their policy is that if you can, if you have the physical ability to land here, you're allowed to. Yeah. They don't 
require permitting and, and they don't, they don't divvy up. They're not as heavily regulated as North American airspace. Yeah. So, which is interesting considering it's Europe. Yes. Yes. Uh, two great contradictions in European society in their view of regulation, uh, air, tra- air travel and cigarettes. Well, there's lots of things. Europe, I mean, Europe is just so so different culturally from North America that you, things like you think, oh, like North America being the bastion of freedom and Europe being the culture of regulation is just it's just not true. It's doesn't so many always, areas. yeah, it doesn't yeah. always line up. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, yeah, like cigarettes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even like in places in Europe, in Europe, Central Europe, mm-hmm. especially Central Europe now. Yep. Like for firearms ownership is way easier yeah, there than it is crazy? in Canada. Yeah, right? Czech Republic, yeah, I was like holy cats. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, the Czech yeah. the Czech Republic's been that way for a long time. And yeah. Czech Republic, you can have a they have a graduated licensing system that yep. where you can you start at the bottom and you can your way your way up to machine guns and and explosives. Yeah, right. Well, Which I, mean, I think but they've got has, an armaments industry. So, you know. but it, yeah. it also yeah, but the average person isn't going to keep Skoda arms in business. Or CZ, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. But it's... Uh, but it is, and I, I do like that approach of a graduated license. Yeah. Let's start everybody at a very, very low level. And then once you have proved over time and qualifications that you desire and can accept higher levels of responsibility, yeah. then yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Like like with... When I would like, because our fire, mm-hmm. again, we've been over this before. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> our, our firearms <laughs> licensing system in this country is so, yeah. Oh, yeah. and of course, yeah, being a libertarian, I'd, I'd like to get rid of it all. But being a realist, knowing that yeah. that's not going to happen, I don't want to go to yeah. an American model. I want to yeah. go, there's plenty of perfectly yeah. good, perfectly acceptable European models for yeah. firearms ownership. I, I am with. a big freedom guy myself, but I don't like the idea of, free for all in firearms yeah any more than i like the idea of free for all for driving i think because of the the our responsibilities like you talk about rights come with responsibilities i think you need to demonstrate like owning an akita or a pitbull you need to demonstrate that you can accept this higher level of responsibility which is Actually, weird. So, because I'm coming up from a driving point of view, I feel so bad for people these days. What do you mean? Well, you know, we back in the day, we could have gotten our learners at 14, mm-hmm. and whether you had it or not, you were getting your license at 16 if you went and passed the test. Yeah. And there were no conditions. And I've been driving since I think I I wait till I was. 17 to finally pass because mm-hmm. I failed it the first two times, yep. right? You know, a lot I, of people like do. that. Right, I, I did, I did too. I actually didn't get my, my I didn't get my class five until after I joined the army. I got my, yeah. got my driver wheel course. And, well, yep. there was no L in my back window or N in my back. No, yep. no driver learner, like, fuck off, you know, like, like, you, know I got my, you got your license or you don't. And yeah, once you do, no you graduated your license, and yeah. yeah, although they just got rid of that, didn't they? No, they just got rid of the graduated license program, haven't they? Pretty sure. Uh, I not that know. I've heard of. Yeah, yeah. it's this big. It was this big thing in Alberta. They got rid of graduated uh, license. Oh, I think I might have heard something. Yeah, yeah. I think they. Yeah. Mm, yeah, they might be phasing it out. Or yeah, something. it's it's uh, like you you had to pass the task the second time to get rid of your. But graduated I, license. I think it's like so many other conversations we've had. I think this generation, uh, and you know who you are. Uh, actually do need a graduated system, you know, so it can be revoked because you, you drive like a bunch of fucking dumbasses. I don't know, man. I think that's. 
age age equal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I am not prepared to say that baby boomers and Jet X are better drivers. I am not at all prepared to make that conclusion. No. I'm going to say that men in pickup trucks are the worst drivers on the road. And and, 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 we, we, and we've been and, we've been over my my hatred yeah. of and let me hear the other one. Pickups. Let me hear the and. Especially if he's got a headache rack. Oh, okay. I was gonna say if any man driving a pickup truck with a headache rack, it's like, okay, keep your head on a swivel because this guy's gonna do something stupid. I don't know why. Like, don't I you know, like what what would a headache rack possibly have to do with anything? It's just something I've 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 observed, you know. For me it's pickup drivers and BMW drivers. Oh and, yeah. And yeah. And what really gets me, and I may have mentioned this before, so sorry if I'm repeating myself, is it's like you'll see a, a pickup driver, he's yep. driving like a fucking psycho through traffic. Uh, like and, a and BMW? Then, no, like a pickup, a pickup driver. Truck, yeah, pickup yeah. truck, you know, like, and yeah. you're like he's indestructible. Yeah. He probably is. Yeah. And then, and then you'll be behind him and he has to turn right into a parking lot and he slows down to three and a half kilometers an hour to turn into that parking lot. He doesn't <laughs> walk over that lip too fast. Yeah. You know? It's like, <laughs> Really? Like fuck off. He doesn't. Or, he doesn't want to spill his monster. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Or uh, you know, talk about makes of cars. I used to know a guy who, dead serious, he judged restaurants by how many Volvos he saw in the parking lot. Oh, really? Yeah. And that would be yes or good. no. Yep. Volvos are good. Yeah? If he didn't see at least three Volvos in the parking lot, he's not eating there. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. That was his. Oh thing. wow. That was. His, the, I don't know how serious he was. Safest about guy it. on the planet. I don't know how serious he was about it, but yeah, he honestly. I guess he assumed Volvo guy drivers had good taste. That's what he did. He felt that... Well, he was in commercial design. Right. And he thought Volvo had impeccable commercial design. So he thought people who enjoy that taste and that style are probably going to match with my taste and my style. Yeah. So if I want to know, is a restaurant any good? I look at the cars in the parking lot. Yeah, I know. Someone who's obviously never eaten Swedish cuisine. He was, he was German. <laughs> and, and this is coming from a Swede. <laughs> All right, I think we right. should probably bring this Gentlemen, puppy in for a while. I'm going to apologize for any uh, bitchiness I threw out on the table today. Don't apologize, man. It's a sign of weakness. Yes, it was. I take it back. Fuck you. The second, was, the second thing they teach you in basic training. It was passionate and unrestrained, and yeah, it's been a while. And uh, what's the word? It's a real buzzword. Um, authentic. Authentic. It was authentic. Okay. I'll take it. All right. Damn right. Gentlemen, good to see you again. Yes. Always. Thanks, everybody. Uh, please uh, share us widely. Or just give us money. Or give us money. Well, I, have money. I don't care. I don't Why, not, yeah. Why not both? Yeah, I have to get Whatever. It. Just money first. I haven't set the P.O. box up yet, okay? All right. Share, share, share us widely and send us money. Send yeah. us checks. Yeah. And uh, any uh, questions, comments, complaints, complicatedpod at gmail.com. Keep them to yourself. Yeah, complaints <laughs> keep to yourself. All right. <laughs> Good boy. Bye. Bye.